Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Rich Yelby. Welcome to Southern Sports Central alongside Eugene Benton. Six o'clock on a Monday evening. You know, it's game time here at Southern Sports Central. as We welcome you here to, uh, well, our final show in January on a Monday, at least, uh, as it's the 25th day of 2021. Already, Eugene, are we looking at a February right around the corner, days away, as uh, they say, of course, uh, when it's this close Almost can reach out and touch it, but January, of course, uh, for a lot of schools here in the Low Country, they look forward to seeing it. Get up out of here, if you know what I mean. And that is the Dorchester County area of uh, of Charleston, uh, the Low Country, if you will, in the Somerville, North Charleston area, where they've got three schools in that in that uh, district that they, uh, have not played basketball since about the second week of December. I mean, no practice, no games, not, and they will actually hit the hardwood for the first time since then, this Friday, on the 29th of January. They won't play their first game until February the 4th. And we'll, of course, have in here with us at about 7.30, the head basketball coach for the Fort Dorchester Patriots, Coach Thomas McElveen. He'll be joining us here. These guys are 5-0. and They look really good. I got the chance this year to call a lot of their games on the TV screen with no fans. We at least uh, gave them an opportunity to watch them another way. But they swept Cane Bay. They swept Stratford. They beat one out of Wando. Other one was canceled. So we got that going on. And then we will hit a coach that's still playing. They haven't stopped. And if my numbers are correct, Oceanside Academy's very own coach Quentin Hollis will join us around 8 o'clock tonight. Eugene, correct me if I'm wrong here, buddy, but 9 and 5 is what I'm seeing on their books. That's 4 and 3 at home, 4 and 1 away. They've got 1 and 1 at a neutral site. 64% winning. That's not bad. 2-1-1 in Region 3A. That's Region 8, by the way. They do play this Friday night, a team they've already beaten 78-38. They'll play this Friday night uh, against Hanahan, who's not having a great season. But, again, uh, you got to leave it over to Coach Hollis and those, uh, those land sharks who have a little bit of momentum as they have yet to uh, cease and, and not have to play. These guys have played all the way through. Uh, this season. So, uh, Eugene, can you comment a little bit about the Oceanside team as you uh, a little bit closer to that program than I am? All right, not sure if we're picking up Eugene or not here. Of course, uh, we are excited here to uh, have everything kind of uh, rocking and rolling here as uh, Eugene, yep. of course, is uh, – yep, there he goes. So he had his he had his mic muted on the other side of the window, big guy. I know you're doing a lot of legwork getting us ready, buddy. What do you know about Oceanside and, and how excited is Coach Hollis to join us tonight at 8 o'clock at prime time? Pretty excited. He's actually in the middle of, of moving, and he said, man, I, after practice I got to move, but, you know, I'd love to be on. It's his first time on. I know his uh, – we call him the sibling schools, and that's gray up in Columbia – uh, you know, their coach has been on a couple times, and you know, this was the first time for him. And, um, and I said, well, he said, hey, let me send you a picture. And I said, Neil, don't worry about that. We, are, we already got a crew working up a graphic for you, and he actually loved the graphic. Uh, and, and that's him under, in the, inside the uh, shark tank. But 
recently uh, the the one loss in, in the region uh, happened a couple of nights ago. That was over at uh, Bishop England. It was a very close game. You know, this team's played some overtime games. They've played, you know, down to the wire. Um, right. A couple of the losses, uh, you know, they've played up a lot. They they played in a big-time tournament over in uh, up in uh, Myrtle Beach. They uh, beat some really, really good teams, um, some teams that, you know, they probably weren't expected to. They lost their best score. Uh, he's up at Queens University there in Charlotte. And that's uh, Tristan Freeling and, you know, a name that we've talked about here, Monroe Freeling. That's his older brother. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but Monroe's playing basketball as well. But they're, you know, from from what I saw, they're a really young team. They even have a couple freshmen on the team uh, for the, at the varsity level. So I think I, at this point, you know, and that's one thing that Coach Hollis has had every year that he's been the head coach. Uh, uh, two years ago, I believe it was, <clears throat> took them to the lower state championship game. They lost in that game to Gray. Uh, I believe it was by three points. They had a ch- uh, chance in the three-point ball didn't go in, uh, you know, right there at the last uh, possession of the game. Uh, last year went to a couple rounds in, in, into the playoffs, you know, and then, you know, again this year he's even got a younger team. And, uh, you know, right now, you know, they're they're winning. Um, you know, I'm sure he'd be – wish he was sitting at, you know, an undefeated season, but it is what it is. And, like I said, you know, they score a ton. It looks uh, from from what you know I've been able to see. I haven't been able to go to a game that you know limited so much of, of seating inside the uh, inside there as well. Plus, uh, they've had a ton of games on the road and neutral sites, and those places just haven't allowed seating as well. So, have been able to catch a little bit up with him, you know, through Instagram posting some of the highlights and things like that. But um, you know, they pass the ball really well. Uh, they drive the ball really well. They move a lot. And, uh, we, you know, we'll get them to discuss kind of, you know, his strategy and coaching style. But, you know, it's a little different because these guys, like I said, they're they're a lot younger than that team that went to the lower state championship a couple of years ago uh, where he had seven uh, seniors, you know, kind of the five starters and the two come first two off the bench were all seniors. You know, that was a team that was fun to watch. You know, they were dunking the ball from all over the place and, you know, throwing up those alley-oops and three-pointers. But, uh you know, a, a lot of this one seems to go around, you know, the big man down front. And, that again, going back to the Freeling boys, and that's uh, Big Monroe. So, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see what he's got to say about the team uh, just because, you know, for even for the teams that have played. And I know you just referenced uh, Coach McElveen's team in Fort Dorchester. They haven't played in five weeks. You know, even for the teams that have played, you know, unfortunately there's not a lot of publicity because they're just not letting people in. You know, our, our, our good buddy Dave Shelton is always, you know, on our show – you know, and I use the word loosely whining about, you know, they, they won't let me in, even with the mask of this, that, and the other. So, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of coverage, unfortunately, for these guys. So you and I talked about it and said, you know, you know, football's over. Let's transition over to basketball. And then, of course, you know, basketball, in a large part, not all way, um, got shut down. Right. So, you know, it looks like we're picking it back up. we got some practices going on, some games coming up, uh, you know, it looks like they're going to jump right into region play, maybe some type of a reduced schedule, and then uh, hit the playoffs. So, you know, it's probably going to be similar to football. Once it finally got started, it was fast and furious, and, you know, next thing you know, you're in the playoffs and having uh, championship games. Yeah, and and that's basically what you're going to look forward to is, uh, you know, I can give you the, the layout for the Dorchester County, too. These guys will start their season basically back up and running in region play, and they're going to play four games at a start – that Thursday, a week from this Thursday, February the 4th, and it'll run all the way to February the 12th, and it's a one-and-done. For example, 
You know, Ashley Ridge will, will be the first game home for the uh, Patriots over at Fort Norchester. Then they'll go to Stahl. They'll come home on the 10th and play West Ashley, and they'll finish their season with Somerville. So, I mean, again, it's kind of a, a, a – a, uh, I don't like to use the day, I guess, Russian relay, but but kind of a, a like, fast-paced dating, like a speed dating, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're getting here. And uh, for the teams, uh, this, to me, helps the teams that are rich get a little richer. You know, you look at Fort Dorchester, and Coach McElvey has got an incredible group of men all over the the court and on the bench that he's able to rotate in and out throughout the whole entire ball game. And these guys talk about rotate in and out, haven't played, like I mentioned, since like the second or first week of December, and they've fallen in and out and back in to the top 25 or the top 10 or whatever it is in high school basketball, but out playing the first game since then. So it's just kind of an interesting conversation. And that's why Eugene and I kind of thought about, let's, let's get one coach who isn't coaching, and let's get one coach that is coaching. So, for example, we're working on the coach that is coaching for Wednesday, but the coach that isn't coaching is uh, Coach Long, the head coach over at Somerville. He'll join us on Wednesday night to talk about his green wave and, and how they seem to do. Uh, as uh, Monday, we'll, we'll then entertain the coach from Ashley Ridge from that region, and, and he'll get in here, and then we're hoping to catch up with, uh, well, We'll see kind of where it goes after that because those are, I believe, the only three coaches that are left not not coaching right now at this moment. Now, talking about coaches, we'll be talking to a former coach, now principal from Berkeley High School. The uh, well, principal still will be uh, sitting down having the conversation about his newest hire, but yet a friendly face, a guy that they've known well for quite some time. Dr. Jerry Brown was the new head coach hired, but a very familiar face hired back to the Stags program where he will bring back the milk and cookies, if you will, and he will hopefully bring back a few W's along the way. Now, this is not the same team that he coached against on other programs. For example, Goose Creek, very good, got a great dynamic going on over there. You see exactly what Denny's been doing over at Stratford. You get, you know, of course, Kane Bays continuing to work through their things. And then Wando, you know, Wando, you never know what you're getting with Wando, kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde over there on the other side of the, uh, of the river. But, this is going to be a good conversation with Coach Steele because we want to know, what does it take? What do you have to do? What are the questions that are asked when it comes to being hired at a Power 5, as we like to call 5A football, in the state of South Carolina? So that's what he's going to do here tonight at about 7 o'clock. He'll join us. He'll talk to us about what's going on and his excitement. I know they're excited because uh, well, he was the first recipient of, uh, well, Dr. Brown's wife who actually makes the cookies i believe he actually bragged on social media about being uh the first recipient of the first batch that was handed out just last week now that of course uh we look forward to that conversation and as you know it is Sunday, it's 6 30 and uh shoot less than you know what 20 19 minutes away we're going to charlotte where our man reginald walker jr former player for the penn state nitty lions will join us and we're going to talk a lot about a lot of things not only where there's some great football yesterday for everybody but me, my Packer fans, and a few Buffalo Bill fans. Not as many broke. Well, I'm sure there were still a lot of broken tables yesterday from both the Packers and the Bills. But we'll talk about the big win for the Chiefs as they won 38-24 over the Bills. And 21, 21, that's the legal drinking age, but it's also the number of unanswered points that Kansas City scored just yesterday, last night, if you will. Then Tampa Bay. 31-26, and I got to be honest with you. I'm a Packers fan. I never thought it was that close. Inside the red zone multiple times, couldn't put the right points on the board. 
picks after picks after picks. I'm talking three of them in the fourth quarter. Couldn't get nothing out of that neither. And again, Tom Brady showed why Tom Brady is who Tom Brady is. Now they have got, what, seven wins in a row, landing them, I think, the first time that we'll say playing in their own stadium at Super Bowl 55 where Tampa Bay is actually hosting the Super Bowl. So, you mean, this to me has its own headlines. It's going to be fun to watch Patrick Mahomes. He went 29 for 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns. That is a young man up and coming. But then on the other side, man, I got to tell you something. Tom Brady throws some pretty good balls. However, not all of them are great. He had picks, like I mentioned, a handful of them. Like he almost slung them up like a Brett Favre back in the day. But here's Tom Brady's impressive numbers. Tom Brady now will uh, start in his 10th Super Bowl, twice as many as any other quarterback in NFL history. That's four more than his modern day comp- uh, compares to Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers combined. He's made the Super Bowl in over 50% of his healthy seasons as a starter. And that, my friends, look, it is what it is. He would be, with all regards, and again, I got a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers, a ton of respect for Drew Brees and even Peyton Manning. But when you mention the name, and I tell you, Tom Brady, and you even see his little video last night with Gronk, man, I thought that was funny as heck, even though I was suffering the loss. That guy is the GOAT when it comes to quarterbacks, throwing the ball the way through it, putting it in stride, handling it the way he did, stepping up in the pockets. Just he demands respect. But then he's able to check out and check into those receivers, and he makes receivers look great. I mean, he really did. He did it at Buffalo – or excuse me, and uh, of course he did it at New England for so many years – even Grunt got on the action last night with a few catches. But, you know, to me, for them to win that game, the way they won that game was to some degree impressive. It had snowed prior to the game. It was cold. It was definitely in the mindset. I think the players, there are better players at Green Bay, but something wasn't clicking. Oh, and then the head coach for the Green Bay Packers is getting barbecued on social media for not going for it. Late into the fourth quarter, he goes for three. Why? I don't know. But at the end of it all, he is catching a lot of heat on the side of that. Now, on the other side, on the other kicking side, how about Ryan Suckup? Now, Suckup, of course, a former Gamecock. Now, that, I believe, puts if not three, I want to say three Gamecocks and probably some Tigers in there. I haven't seen any numbers with that. But for sure, I know Kansas City's got two Gamecocks. I know Ryan Suckup's a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's in the Super Bowl. To me, it just shows how much talent we continue to push up out of the state and, and it comes from the Palmetto State. But, Eugene, I was not surprised that Kansas City won. I was, however, disappointed and a little bit surprised that Tampa Bay was able to manhandle with a, an incredible defense handle Aaron Rodgers and the, of course, uh, entire Tampa Bay – excuse me, uh, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think one of the biggest shocks I, I saw was the defensive line, just how they had their way uh, all night with, with the Packers' offensive front. Uh, you know, there, there are many times where it looks like they were going to get the momentum, maybe go down and score. You know, you just didn't – you, you kind of felt like you were always – you know, you as a fan for, of Green Bay probably always feel like you're in a game. As long as you're within one score and, and that guy's your quarterback – and he's standing upright, you feel like you have a chance to score on any play. Well, that's the problem. He wasn't standing upright. You know, he was constantly being chased, harassed, 
thrown to the ground. Uh, you know, and, and there, the play towards the end, um, there were a couple plays in a row where it looked like, you know, maybe he should have taken off and, and ran the ball. Problem right. is, you know, had been beaten up all game. Maybe he was a little hesitant. You know, was just trying to make plays with his arms. You know, there was a time factor to consider, you know, and things like that. But, uh, you know, he was just – he was thrown around like a rag doll for a lot of the game. And that defensive front, especially the edge rushers for Tampa Bay, just had their way with those uh, tackles. Um, I don't know if they should have, you know, I'm guessing should have made some adjustments or something like that. You know, to get get those uh, tackles some help, they didn't. Uh, or if they did, it didn't show because it didn't work. And, um, you know, hats off to Tampa Bay. Uh, I didn't think going into the season one player or two players would make all that much of a difference. But, you know, it, it really gets to show you that um, while it's a huge team sport, man, you get one of those stars. It's like adding, you know, on the NBA team where you get that one star and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, this super contender. Uh, you know, I didn't see that. We knew there were some other weapons there. I think the biggest shock was the defense to me. I know they had a good defense last year, um, but the way that they played, especially down the stretch and in the playoffs, have just been lights out. You know, they, they just beat the tar out of my team last weekend uh, with right. me. And, again, Drew Brees, man, he's running for his life and was getting smacked around. They uh, schemed very well for, for what he likes to do. They had played him twice earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, when it came down to it, man, uh, you know, after the first quarter, uh, you know, the Saints, to me, just really weren't into it. And they, you know, the Tampa Bay did what they needed to do. They caused turnovers. And so, um, you know, a lot of it, like I said, you know, a lot of the defensive play is uh, driving this. But, you know, offensively, you know, when he has to make plays, you know, uh, this is the first time ever that um, Tom Brady has thrown two picks in a playoff game and won the game. He's never won a game if he's thrown two picks. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of first times for everything this year. And it is the first time in NFL Super Bowl history that uh, the home stadium will host a home team. So that's going to be pretty wild for those guys. They, you know, it'll be pretty interesting to see how they uh, handle that considering the NFL made a rule and said that the uh, – uh, teams traveling to the Super Bowl couldn't arrive but two days ahead of time. So I, I'm thinking because since one of them's a home team, they're probably going to have to redo that rule just because it does create a little bit of uh, uh, unfairness, in my opinion, with the home team. You know, they have their home team practice facilities right there and everything right there. So we'll see if there's any announcements about changing that rule up. But I did see that rule come out that they were going to do, uh, you know, basically arrive two days before the Super Bowl kind of thing. Um, and it just – it does seem like it creates a little bit of an unfair advantage. But I don't know that the Chiefs need a uh, – if, you know, they're worried about much of an unfair advantage. I think the Chiefs will win this game – you know, a lot of people have it by what three or four points or something like that. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think the uh, the young quarterback came back from his injury. He looked really good. That toe will have now three weeks out from that injury, and uh, I look for them to you know continue to do good things. I think uh, Andy Reid has a little bit better offensive line. Um, you know, they're not as banged up as the Packers, and you know he he's just he and the enemy. They're they're offensive geniuses, and um, I, I really think that uh, they're going to win this game. And I'm going to put it by 10 points. See, for me, it's hard to go again. Again, you know, as much as I, I, I'm not, I say I'm surprised, I'm not surprised. Because anytime Tom Brady's on a football field, it, it's hard to go against that guy. And, and to me, 
he he makes wide receivers look like studs all over the field. I mean, he's done it his whole career since he's been in the league, and he continues to do it. He did it this past weekend. But for me, I go back to looking at the game in the NFC for the championship. And, again, you know, when you look at five sacks, five sacks, and most of them were on that, I believe, outside, if I'm not mistaken. He was not number 71 for the Packers, unable to stop that pass rush, that bull rush guy coming around the outside. He was eating his lunch all day long, basically handing his cup to him throughout the entire game. I mean, the process and and the ability for them to have a running back on that blind side or that right side, to me, was just bad coaching. You know, you have to give some type of protection to Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he is one of the best at stepping up and finding targets. And, yeah, he, he did what he needed to do. I mean, of course, it didn't help that Jones sat back there and fumbled the ball twice. And all week long, all, he, all we heard about it over there from their young running back was he wants more money. But then he put the ball on the dirt twice, not once, but twice in crucial spots that, that costed the Packers. Now, look at the number, five sacks for 32 yards of a loss. His uh, numbers, you know, weren't bad, 33 for 48, 346 yards. He's averaged about 7.2. But he became where he knew and everybody else knew that he was going after Adams time after time. But there was a handful of shots in hands of wide receivers, two-point conversion dropped, other pass, uh, passes dropped. I mean, so as much as it's interesting that people are talking about, well, maybe Aaron Rodgers is done, and I know there's rumors of him going to San Francisco, and, and possibly now you're hearing, of course, uh, the Patriots. You'll hear it all until somebody does something and they sign him, and I hope they do that very soon, uh, me being a Packer fan. I'm not ready to, to, to go into that new era for another quarterback. I, I think Aaron proved this year that he's worth any amount of money that we want to pay him, and at the end of the day, I hope he's at draft day because he needs to make sure that he drafts who he wants. You know, you need to carry him to the candy store and let him pick out the candy that he wants. And I think he's earned that this year uh, as, to me, personally, the MVP of the year. Now, of course, uh, on the other end, like I mentioned, uh, I, I look at Tom Brady. His numbers, of course, uh, you know, they speak for themselves. Yes, he threw three picks. I believe all three interceptions happened in the fourth quarter, definitely in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. He went 20 for 36, 280 yards, 7.8 yards, and three touchdowns. So his quarterback rating, pretty good at 75.4 after the game. And um, you, you saw, to me, the guy that was the biggest guy, well, it was the Achilles heel for Green Bay. It was everything for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you could still see those LSU pads under the Tampa Bay jerseys for Mr. Lewis Fournette because he, Leonard, did an incredible job putting together you know, run after run, and, and maybe he would only get three or four and then bust out a big one, but the guy looks like he just jumped out of college. He's in great shape. He demands the respect. Of course, the other running backs come in, like Jones didn't really impress me, and a little bit of, little bit more mouth on him. But, you know, what happens is when you get 12 carries for 55 yards and he's averaging about five yards a touch, you got to calculate, uh, calculate for that because all of a sudden you're going to look at these receivers and, of course, Godwin, Evans, Miller, Gronk, Bray, you know, you, you see even Fournette coming out of the backfield catching a few. That's what made Tampa dangerous. And for me, I'm not going to give my prediction until we get a little closer to the game, but I think it's hard. A, they're at Tampa. B, they got Tom Brady. They got Gronk. They got Fournette. They got a lot of beasts ready to grind. And I believe there's one receiver who was not healthy enough to even play in this game that should be, I would imagine, would be good to play, wouldn't you think? 
should be. Like I said, you know, there's an extra two weeks to, to rest up, get treatment. You know, we've seen, especially at the NFL level, with a, a massive amount of, you know, very high-end doctors and trainers and staff. I mean, you know, unlike, you know, let's just say a high school program where you have one physician that might be shared between several schools and trying to get appointments in, you know, these these teams with this type of game on the line, you know, it's nothing for them to put, say, for example, if it was a knee injury, uh, a wide receiver on a private jet and fly them to um, to Birmingham, you know, to, to meet with the doctor, you know, one of the gurus and things like that. So I would I would anticipate anybody that's not a season-ending, like, surgery-type injury is going to be available to play just because, again, it's Super Bowl. And, you know, if you do the math, uh, if you play in the game and you win the game, that's an extra $240,000 bonus paid not by your team but by the NFL itself. So there's always a little bit of incentive. Everybody wants to play in the game, and everybody knows too. You don't even have to be a great player, but if you have a Super Bowl ring, that kind of boosts your value in the market. Everybody says, you know, all such and such is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback or a Super Bowl-winning running back. You know, even if you only ran for 80 yards in the game, you still have that ring, and it still kind of gives you a little bit more uh, boost when it comes down to uh, contract negotiations and things like that. So I, my understanding or, or what I would – if I had to make a bet, I would say he's playing. Uh, I just think there's too many resources and too many reasons not to. And, again, everybody wants to, you know, have that final moment, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, or NFL, you know, of being on the field and, and – hoisting a trophy and, and, you know, wearing the pads or, or the uniform, playing in it and feeling that confetti fall. So I just don't, I don't see many players sitting out, uh, you know, if, if it's not some type of injury where, you know, they're completely prohibited from playing. Now talking about playing here uh, before we head to a quick break and we will be heading out to Charlotte, North Carolina with Reginald Walker Jr. coming up at 630 as he is one of our first guests here tonight. But uh, before that, there are still a couple of dates that are very important. We're not a completely done with uh, the uh, the football games and college football. If I'm not mistaken, on the NFL Network, you will see the Reese's Senior Bowl happening this Saturday at 2.30. Uh, that uh, is something I saw come across the airwaves. And I, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm in limbo because, again, there's teams that are going to be playing, like the Citadel, like Charleston Southern, like a few other teams uh, around the country because they postponed their season until the spring. So those cats won't be – in this uh, very important signature game. It's kind of its own recruiting tool. And speaking of recruiting, right, this date down February the 3rd, uh, Eugene, next week, right, we're going to have National Signing Day where it will be the final chance for these colleges to sink their teeth and their claws and put some pins to the paper and uh, bring home a, a few high numbers as you're starting to see uh, kids now starting to commit all throughout the Carolinas here, definitely in South Carolina, where uh, it is the uh, smaller schools making bigger splashes as they have a little more room to bring some of these kids in. I know Newberry seems to be having a really good turnaround right now with a lot of uh, offers going out there. You see, of course, uh, Limestone just mentioned to some of the smaller schools. Even how about this one? How about the young man from Hanahan who went to Syracuse and now is going to transfer and play football right down the road where he grew up over there, of course, at uh, Charleston Southern. So a lot of big news coming up, and uh, it's only going to get more impressive because these kids are getting it. I think they've gotten the lesson that we've been pumping down to them, and that is go where you can play today so you can be drafted tomorrow. Because if you wait, as we see, there's no guarantee that tomorrow even becomes a reality. But today, oh, yeah, today is the day 
but you got to get after it. Let's take a quick break. We got to mic them up, put them on the bus, get them ready to rock and roll. That is Reginald Walker Jr. Right after this, guys, we head to Charlotte, North Carolina. Don't go anywhere more. Southern Sports Central right after this. person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q-tip and he states black is black. Mirror, mirror on the wall, shovel chestnuts in my path. I keep on up chestnuts so I don't get an aftermath. But if I do, I'll calmly punch them in the fourth day of July. Cause they try to mess with third degree, that's me, myself, and I. Nah.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Young alongside Eugene Benton. Let's head over to the bus all the way up there in Charlotte, North Carolina, with Reggie. Reginald Walker Jr. joined us here on Monday night. What's up, big guy? What's up, fellas? We got a we got a Super Bowl matchup on our hands, huh? We got a lot going on today. We got Super Bowl matchup. We got big time. I mean, we look forward to the commercials as much as we do the game, and it's going to be a little bit different on the commercial front. But before we get into all of that, I got some news that just came across my phone, and it's about an hour behind, and that's all right. I don't I don't, I don't get angry at things, but. How about the news coming out of Detroit? We're not talking about cars, and we're not talking about Megatron. We're talking about a mega deal bringing on a guy that, of course, uh, Deuce. How about Deuce Daly is uh, is now Deuce named is uh, to the staff. Yeah, the Deuce is loose in Detroit. Man, big shocking turnaround after everybody kind of was parade for him to get that job in Philly, being a former player, being a former coach. And you know the story. He played at Airport High School there in Columbia, was a Gamecock legend, still is. And now he will go over to Detroit and uh, see if he can't do something big over there. Man, your thoughts on that one coming out of the gate? It was about time. I mean, for him, uh, because he's going to get the, the also the title of, I think, assistant head coach yep. uh, with this move. And, and, and for him, look, he's been in Philadelphia a long time. And he's been a part of, if memory serves, I believe uh, he was a candidate, maybe, maybe that's a loose term, uh, for the job before Doug Peterson got hired, uh, if memory serves. So you, you look back at that and, and you realize that he's gone through two cycles uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been there as a player. He's been an assistant coach. And for some reason, he hasn't even, at least from what I understand, uh, been given a title such as assistant head coach or something to that effect uh, to really add to his value. Uh, obviously, anytime. Uh, you know, we're having these conversations every year about new coaching candidates, new hires. If you don't, generally speaking, and, and that sort of changes every year, but if you don't have coordinator or assistant head coach, right, as opposed to assistant coach, if you don't have associate head coach, assistant head coach, or coordinator next to your name, it is very difficult, this year notwithstanding, uh, to get a head coaching job. And so if you're if you're looking at what, uh, Deuce Daly has put in the amount of years he has put in with that Philadelphia Eagles organization. It was about time he either got elevated or he moved on, so he could be elevated by another franchise. Let me ask you this, though, because he's good enough to be your interim coach. He's good enough to take care of it when you need him to take care of it. And I thought he did a great job, by the way. Uh, was it this past year that he stepped up to that role and did a great job? And uh, to me, that's kind of like an interim opportunity because that's what they gave him, a little title there. And, and there were no problems. Matter of fact, they probably ran better when he was running the operation than when the gentleman came back and, and took the team back over. So, to me, it just seems really bad in a lot of different ways. A, because he actually did just that. He was the active head coach, and I believe they played some football while he was uh, named that, or was that my wrong? Kind of give me the backdraft on that part. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, again, it, it, it goes back to, right, um, what he – He's the best one to look back, right, on what he has done for an organization and say, I think I've done enough to warrant an opportunity for more, right? And when you step in, and and, and I'll use another example from college football. Uh, If you go back uh, to, let's go to Ohio State, but backwards to Larry Johnson, who is now his title as assistant head coach, defensive line. 
remember when Coach Paterno, when Joe Paterno was removed at Penn State and they went through what they went through after Tom Bradley left, Larry Johnson was the interim head coach. Then they bring in Bill O'Brien. He stays on Bill's staff. Bill leaves. Larry Johnson, the interim head coach. Again, they hired James Franklin. So now twice I've been the interim head coach, Mm. right? I've been on the staff for more than a decade. I've been the interim head coach, and you still won't give me an opportunity to lead the program in full. Okay, it's time for me to go. What does he do? He goes to Ohio State. He becomes the defensive line coach slash assistant head coach. And so you watch these things. Guys are not going to stick around forever without some kind of elevation in title and money comes with that, but also responsibility. And when you add to their responsibility, uh, listen, 90% of these guys that are assistant coaches at whatever, whether they're position coaches, assistants, analysts, like you see at Alabama and those types of places, their goal is to become a head coach. And the only way you do that is take the steps up the ladder, make the trip rung by rung up the ladder And a lot of these guys are looking for the opportunity to take that next step. And when an organization, a franchise, or a a program, if you want to look at it from the college level standpoint, or some would say a program, uh, if you're not able to see those steps come to fruition, it's time to move on after a certain amount of time. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. I want to play this for you because uh, this came through my feed, and I just want to hit a couple of coaches' notes before we talk about, the, of course, the big games from uh, this past uh, weekend, because, of course, there was a lot of big games from this weekend. But one was a, a, an interview that we all have heard the name, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, of course, he's that big guy from Kansas City that's interviewing after interviewing. And all you hear is, is how he's not a good interviewer. But I challenge you to listen to this. And, and I'm going to try to play it, and, and hopefully it goes well. But we'll see. As uh, this was the conversation when he was asked this during a Kansas City news conference about his future. Since you've kind of become the face of this whole coaching search, if you will, you know, especially nationally, do you, ever, do you feel any regret or remorse that it's come to the fact that you, you, you're kind of the face of this? You know what, Harold, here's the thing. It's always good to be mentioned and, and, and having an opportunity to pursue your dreams. And obviously, yes, I do want to be a head coach. But when it's all said and done with, my job is to make sure Everything that we're doing right now is not to take away from the goals that we're trying to accomplish. The only thing that matters today, we got better. Okay, Today we had an opportunity to make sure we can take care of situational football as far as short yardage, goal line, and our third down situations. So now it's time for us to go back in and shop wood, watch this thing, and get ready for the next day. We want to make sure that we're getting our guys ready to make sure they can take care of business on Sunday. My own personal business, when all that's time to take care of itself that will take care of itself Harold. but thanks for asking i mean how in the world and i ask you this how do you not hire a guy like that i want to hire him right now and i don't even have a team but you know you, you <laughs> listen to me who is just man i mean you know and, and there's another coaching conversation i'm going to have with you too before we do finally get to this super bowl coming up uh which will be of course super bowl 55 down at tampa between tampa and of course the chiefs but you listen to his answer, his response, his selflessness, his ability to steer the conversation not into his wheelhouse, but into the wheelhouse of the team and to, look, it'll take care of itself. Yes, it's an honor, and he was very gracious with his conversation and saying it's, it's an honor just to have your name brought up. Perfect answer. How would a guy not – I mean, 
hell, I'm hiring him now, like I said, and I don't even have a place to give him a team, but I'll build a field if that's what it takes. But I just don't understand why guys like him aren't standing on the sideline making some decisions because, as you and I have seen this year, not only in the NFL, we can go to college as well. There's a lot of dudes that are overpaid and underperforming. Richie, let me start with this on, on that whole thing because I'm glad you played that. And as I listened to Eric the Enemy, here is what resonated with me. I don't know Eric at all, okay? But I will say this. I'm not going to question whether that's the real Eric or not. But he should be able to say, I should be a friggin' head coach right now. And this is ridiculous that I'm not. But he can't. Because then he'd be the salty grapes guy that no one should hire. And so that's part of my problem with this is he's got to sit there and give you the perfect answer, which he knows what it is, whether it's the real him or him essentially being safe about it because he knows he's per se theoretically in some processes right now. But what it does is it scares you because you're realizing that he has to say the perfect thing every single time. Because if not, that's the one thing they can use against him. I mean, we look, I, not to disparage another coach, Dan Campbell just told us about biting kneecaps. And that's a guy <laughs> you hired as a head coach. And that's his introductory press conference. Hmm. But you know why? Because he's allowed to be himself. He's allowed that. He's afforded that opportunity, even though, as far as I remember, I haven't seen his offenses doing some of the things Eric Bieniemy's offenses are doing. I haven't seen that win rate that Eric Bieniemy has. And also, as we saw Leslie Frazier, he's gotten teed up for a second interview with the Texans for tomorrow. So now they're placating to him because his season is over. So, again, we continue to punish people for success. I agree with what Sean Payton recently said in that maybe we need to look at you can't go hiring coaches until after the entire season is done so that everybody has an opportunity equally to be a part of hiring processes. Because if not, there's the question of whether or not they're abandoning their team or focused on the team and the task at hand of winning a Super Bowl. And my issue with that is you've got all these owners that make all this money that all they want to do, most of them at least on paper, and they'll tell you, <laughs> is win. Yet you know they wouldn't want someone on their staff doing that because it may cost them a Super Bowl and probably in excess of a half a billion dollars in net worth added to their franchise value by winning a Super Bowl but they continue to do it to other teams. It's just interesting to me, and I think those are two pieces of it. Why does Eric Bieniemy have to stand there and sound and give the perfect answer when he's done nothing but the job that says he should be a head coach? And then secondly, why don't we put something in place to allow all these coaches to get an equal opportunity, at least from a time standpoint, because we know it ain't totally equal, but at least from a time standpoint, to get the opportunities to become head coaches? 
Great answers there by Reginald Walker, Jr., of course, coming to us live every Monday. 6.30 is his slot as he sits in his chair at his time right here on Southern Sports. Final coaching conversation. We dip down to the college ranks, and we head to, well, Rocky Top. Could be a better fit for a better place at a worse time than Tennessee right now. Of course, they are with now a new athletic director. Danny White is in place for the volunteers. Now, White and the volunteers have their coaches you know, uh, on their mind, but they are now looking at a guy in South Carolina. But it's not the Gamecocks. It's actually Clemson, where they've looked at hiring and bringing in here Mr., of course, Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, who they missed very dearly, by the way, in that loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, Tony Elliott, a big-time James Island guy, so he's a low country guy. We like to see him be successful everywhere. But what is your thought process? Does uh, does this athletic program and, and the new man in town, Danny White, talking all the talk, is he going to be able to walk the walk and do what he needs to bring in a guy like Tony Elliott and get him to leave that dynasty that Dabo and the boys are continuing to add to? I'm going to say this, and, and I can't believe – I have to go here, and I'm not the guy that goes this route. I'm, I'm really not, Richie. But let's call a spade a spade. As we come off the air, the enemy conversation, right? it is going to take a lot for Coach White to be – I'm sorry, the A.D. White. I'm calling him Coach. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> to make the move to make Tony Elliott just the third black head coach in the history of the Southeastern Conference. Mm. Uh, let's think about that. Sylvester right. Croom, James Franklin at Vanderbilt, which some people mm-hmm. would say that doesn't count because it's Vanderbilt. I count it, obviously. And then Tony Elliott would be the third. So, you know, I'll put it to you this way. If it comes down to him and Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze is able to happen, and Tony Elliott's not able to happen, you know what that comes down to. The other piece of that with Tony Elliott is I'll ask the question. To be a first-time head coach in a sport in which, to use the words of Ron Prince, formerly of Kansas State, Tyrone Willingham, formerly of Washington State, and uh, I'm, yeah, Washington State, Stanford, and Notre Dame, what does it mean for a black coach to get fired in their first opportunity? It usually means they don't get another one. Hmm. With the disaster that is Tennessee right now, is that the place Tony Elliott? from a, a, a personal and selfish standpoint, right, is that right. the place he wants to try to cut his teeth with everything that's going on there, not knowing what the sanctions are going to be in the next two or three years? Put, to me, and, uh, I think I, it, would be a, it would be a tremendous hire for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's best for Tony Elliott, the person, from a career move standpoint, to walk into that mess. Right. And you wonder this, because we're going to transition quickly to the NFL right after this, but has he learned from that Charlie Strong effect? And what do I mean by that? Charlie Strong goes in to Texas, basically breaking barriers. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I say it one more time, exactly. Because this, it, it, it may even be worse at Tennessee right now. I mean, let's be honest, there's only one guy laughing, and you can go all the way down to the land of Mississippi and Lane Kiffin, who is having a ball with this situation in Knoxville, because if I'm Tony Elliott, I appreciate it, and daggone it, it couldn't have been the worst timing 
but I'm not doing it because I saw Charlie Strong go from being the first to now being the worst. And uh, I do believe he did land an NFL job somewhere. I thought I saw something on the wire a while back yeah, saying that he was hired he's with on. with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. Great hire, by the way. Great coach, great man, great person, bad decision. And let's just hope that Tony Elliott really, 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 I mean to the infinity, really, thinks about this decision. Now, quickly, before I don't get uh, all the time in with you, we go straight to the Super Bowl. But before we get there, it took four teams, two games, my Packers did not get it done. They lose 31-26 and seven in a row. If you're looking at the win column for Tampa, Green Bay could not execute. I mean, you're talking about interception, interception, picking them off, picking them off at the fourth quarter in the red zone, couldn't execute, dropping footballs. Can you blame Aaron Rodgers, though? I mean, I know there's a lot of people that want to say, hey, let's go ahead and give that new guy a shot. But I'm thinking, man, this is a kid that just looked like a 26-year-old at the age of 40, what, three? I mean, that's crazy. What's your thought in the first game that we saw last night with Tampa Bay winning at 31-26? I, I thought two things. I thought Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal. I, I really did. I thought he played really, really well. Yeah, look, mistakes are going to happen against good football teams, and he threw an interception. Okay, so be it. Tom Brady threw three, and everybody's mm-hmm. talking as if Tom Brady's the one that got them to the Super Bowl. He's not. Let's call it what it is. That defense from Tampa, yeah, they gave up over 300 yards passing Aaron Rodgers. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I've never heard anyone say that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a scapability or is a statue. That man got sacked five times and put on his back another seven or eight times. That means the Tampa Bay defensive front, particularly Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, were all over him like a cheap suit. Vita Vea was pushing that pocket up the middle, and Dominican Sue had a couple of opportunities to get his hands on Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was that defense and that defensive front that did it. Check this out. Aaron Rodgers was, is the number one, well, going into the game or through the regular season, the number one quarterback in the league in the three major passing categories in play-action passing situations. Green Bay only attempted 16 rushes for 67 yards yesterday. I'm going to say that again. 16 rushes for 67 yards. I know people got calculators listening at home. That's more than four yards a carry. You hand the ball off three straight times getting more than four yards, that's 12 yards, that's a first down. Why did they bail on the running game? Because Tampa made them feel like they couldn't run the football, even though they were having some success. Okay? And then the other piece of it for me, there's a lot of talk about the, the field goal decision in the fourth quarter by Matt LaFleur. Richie, to me, that was just the culmination of the mistake from a quarter before. Mm. You're down 28-17. You score a touchdown. Kick the extra point and cut it to four. Right. Because then if you give up a field goal, you're still in a one-possession game, and then you can decide – do I want to win the game by going for two or take it into overtime because I'm at home? But instead, LaFleur chases the points in the third quarter when his offense had had some success and his defense was playing well enough, and then they don't end up converting later in the game. And, and we could talk about not going for it on fourth down and kicking the field goal. I'm not questioning that. That was a questionable decision. But he forced his own hand when he ran with the analytics 
which I say all the time, it is not the tool. It is a tool. And Matt LaFleur chose to be a tool by using analytics the way he did in the third quarter, and I think that cost him the game because if you're in a if you're in a seven point game in that situation, first of all, Aaron Rodgers knows you're in four down territory, and second of all, Aaron Rodgers probably runs that ball on that fourth that on that third down and scores, and the extra point would have tied the game. So to me, that's that's a poor job by Coach Lafleur of handling playing football and understanding situation versus chasing the analytics and chasing the points. So when I look at that game, I look at Aaron Rodgers played well. Uh, I look at the Tampa Bay defense was dominant at times in that game, but mostly uh, very much under control, playing well. And on the flip side, I look at a Tom Brady who hit some plays, the one late in the first half, the Scotty Miller, that's just unacceptable uh, by Green Bay. Uh, But other than that, Tom Brady didn't really do a whole lot of spectacular things, and he threw three interceptions. So he also made mistakes. But Green Bay, to me, they bailed on the running game, and they didn't do a good job of clock management and game management. I agree with you, because here's what we look at is we're going to now turn over to the second game, but the running back putting it down twice on the ground after hyping himself up all week long, wanting more money. Instead of worrying about the hype, you should have worried about the game, but it is what it is. The Packers will uh, hang up their pads, turn in their cleats, or do whatever that they do and do what we do and watch the Super Bowl because now punching the ticket is that of the team we just talked about. The Tampa Bay, of course, uh, they will be at home in the Super Bowl 55 against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they win 38-24 with 21 unanswered points. What's your thoughts on that one there? Because, again, this didn't look like the same Bills team. The quarterback, even though he was humble at the end, you could tell he was in a new place doing some new things uh, with uh, the un, – I'd say um, the opportunities weren't quite as there as they had been for him all year long. I'll say it this way. Well. Kansas City defensively was tremendous. We've we watched I've, – I've been one of the main ones applauding Josh Allen all year long. He's played great. Some people had him as the MVP. That Kansas City defense yesterday showed us they are a good enough complement to Patrick Mahomes to win another championship. They showed us with Tyron Matthew in that back end. Bashad Breeland was back healthy, playing well. They showed us that they got a good football team on the defensive side. Sorensen flying around everywhere. I mean, they, they, that defense, I thought, looked phenomenal against the Buffalo Bills yesterday. And then offensively, look, I, I'm going to pray for you. If you're a defense and McCall Hardman starts playing well, like he did yesterday. Now, we know he fumbled the punt. He muffed the punt early. And then he made up for it almost immediately. And that's the other thing about Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid that you love. Okay, Hardman. You dropped the punt. You made a mistake. We're going to feed you the football because we know that you are hot right now to fix what you to fix the mistake. And what does he do? Big run, touchdown, boom, they're rolling, right? And all of a sudden, Nicole Hardman wakes up because you know Tyreek Hill's a freak. The cheetah's all over the place. Travis Kelsey, another 10-catch game. Hmm. Patrick Mahomes is out there playing checkers and chess and whatever other game he wants to play, backgammon in the backfield, <laughs> doing whatever he wants. Right. He can make any throw out there. Takes off running, 
a couple of times. I mean, the offense is, is, is one thing. But if that defense is going to continue to play like that, you can forget about it. And remember, they don't even have uh, their normal return guy who's hurt right now. So you look at Kansas City, you look at all the pieces, they're good on special teams, they're good on defense, and their offense, we know, is phenomenal, led by Patrick Mahomes. So I wasn't surprised at what I, – I, I do know that Buffalo has a good defense, but you're not stopping Kansas City. So I felt like Kansas City would make some plays. I didn't think Kansas City's defense would be able to shut down Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and that crew the way they did. Cole Beasley made some plays later in the game. But in general, they shut that Buffalo offense down uh, basically from about the five-minute mark left in the first quarter through about the, I don't know, the 10-minute mark left in the fourth quarter. It was about two and a half quarters that the Bills were non-existent. They were just there on offense physically because they hadn't made a play. And so that, to me, is very, very interesting because I watched this Super Bowl. I look at this matchup, and I'm not leaning one way or the other yet, but I look at this matchup and I go, the strength of Tampa is their defense. The strength of Kansas City is their offense. Can Kansas City's defense make enough plays against Tom Brady and that offense to hoist the trophy again. I think that's going to be a major key to this football game. Well, I tell you what, we're going to have a couple of, uh, couple more shows to get into it before we get too deep into it, but it will be a, a Super Bowl to remember. Super Bowl 55, Tampa hosting Tampa, and, of course, uh, bringing in the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, there's the question on the arrival. There's the conversation that we'll get back in with you next week on the commercials because, uh, of course, uh, some of the big hitters that we've always looked forward to, the Budweiser, the Coke, and the Pepsi's, will not be in the commercials this year. And i got to tell you, for a guy that worked for Anheuser-Busch for about 10 years, uh, I, I can tell you this, that was a very big part of uh, those that worked for the, the, the company. They always looked forward to that because uh, they had the opportunity to watch a lot of those commercials before anybody else did. It was kind of one of those things. And I'm sure Pepsi and Coke had the same deal. But uh, because of all that's going on in the world right now, as they – an executive quoted saying he's waiting for the, well, poop, but he didn't use the word poop to end. Uh, that's kind of where things are right now. I guess sensitive lane is kind of where they are, and they say they want none of that. So they'll watch it like the rest of it. Uh, we're up against the top of the hour. Reggie, man, always a pleasure. Come on down to Charleston, man. We got some good food. Things are starting to open up a little bit, man. Bring your golf clubs. I'm not any good, but I'll drive you around and We'll hang out on the golf course, man, if you could get some time away from uh, Charlotte. Shout out to all the people in North Chuck and Chucktown and, and all the surrounding areas. And, guys, I, I, I'm going to have to make that trip down there. I'll do it as soon as I possibly can. It's got to warm up a little bit, though. I, I, don't, I don't venture out too much while it's chilly like it is right now. But I tell you what, hey, guys, it, it, you know, I think we've got a really good Super Bowl coming up. It's been a really good season. And we get to finish it in style. And shout out to the National Football League. I believe the number is 7,500 frontline healthcare workers invited to the Super Bowl. That's awesome. That's great for the league. That's a great gesture. Um, and, and it's good to see uh, that they are recognizing some people because that's a significant amount if you really think about it with the NFL and the way that basically the people that go to the Super Bowl are pretty much sponsors. 
Um, so for them to do that and, and make that concession, I think is really, really cool. Um, and look, we'll get into uh, breaking down this Super Bowl for sure next week and talk about the commercials and everything. But until next week, guys, I appreciate you. Stay safe down there. We are. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Check out of the city of Charlotte. We'll check back in to the bus ride all the way to uh, Monk's Corner, South Carolina. We're heading to the principal's office. I don't know who did it, but we'll find out because the principal himself, Coach uh, Stephen Still, joins us from Berkeley High School. He, of course, uh, got a new man on campus, but it's an old face who's bringing some snacks along with him as he just hired the coach, Dr. Jerry Brown, taking back over the Stags here in the 2021 season. Excited to talk to him about that and a lot more. And also, we're going to pick the brain of the man that did the hire. What does it take? What kind of questions do you ask or does uh, they ask those who are being interviewed? All of that coming up right out of this. One and done. We're heading to our number two right after this, guys. Don't go anywhere. nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful.
bring him in in style as we're heading to the principal's office with the one and only Coach Stephen Still, all the way from Berkeley High School, right over there in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Coach Still, how you doing on a Monday night, sir? Well, it's been a good week. Um, I got some chocolate chip cookies, unlike Coach Joey Still, so I feel like my week has already started off better than most people's. Yes, yes, you did, uh, Coach. We mentioned it earlier that not only are you bringing back uh, a familiar face on the sideline, you're bringing back a very warm welcome uh, to his other half who brings cookies uh, along with her. And I saw your batch uh, coming out early, man. I tell you what, milk and cookies are on the menu here tonight on Southern Sports Central. Man, I got to get some, by the way, even if I got to get uh, you and Eugene and I can break one, I guess, and share one if we have to. Only winners can get them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Eugene, you're out. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's why Joe Shield doesn't get any more either. I know. But no, and you know uh, he's guys, listening. I, I love yeah. it. Oh, 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 I texted him and told him I was coming out of the gate firing shots. But listen, <laughs> I appreciate it. We got exciting times here at Berkeley High School. Very excited to have uh, Dr. Clint Jerry Brown back at Berkeley High School. And I've also confirmed him for you for Wednesday night. Good deal. So he will definitely be on your radio show Wednesday night. There you go. So we're going to have him, of course, 730. Is that still the time, or is he? Is that work for him, or does he need seven? I'm going to let him pick his time. It doesn't matter. Like I, I told Jerry Brown he had to be on the radio. I told Jerry Brown he had to be on the radio. He'll be on the radio at 730. <laughs> hey, I love it, Coach. Hey, I tell you what, you know, the, the excitement, though, Coach, and, again, always a pleasure getting you in here. You and I have become pretty good buddies off the ear. You're always first class to me and my group at the Southern Sports Center. We got a chance to do it again. Even though you went out of town, you know, uh, I still was treated very well by your athletic director and all the staff and those in the parking lots all the way through uh, when we made that trip this past year over there to you guys. And then I did get to watch, I believe, what was the Goose Creek and Berkeley game. You and I watched that together yeah. in the end zone. I thought that was a lot of fun. But uh, I, I do appreciate your, your your ability to just really love on us on and off the air. But, man, are you are you glad it's all said and done? You got the coach. You had to get through the holidays. You had to get a lot of this kind of taken in on your birthday, basically, right? I mean, it was kind of a ride from the beginning to the end. Well, it was a ride from the beginning to the end, but also I ended up with COVID over the Christmas break also. And that, that I, a lot of people didn't know that, and that's also slowed down the process a little bit also. Um, well, okay, so I'm, I'm, you're doing I'm well. Perfectly, oh, no, listen, doing fantastic. Can't complain. I had very mild symptoms. Had the worst headache of my life for a few days. Mm-hmm. I, it was so bad I tried goodies powder. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So if that tells you where I was at, but yeah, you know the process is the process. When you have a, a principalship, um, one thing is you got to make sure that you follow the rules and regulations of, of hiring practices, whether it's set up by the district, federal, and state levels. And everybody just thinks that you know that high schools and colleges can just go out and do certain things, but there are certain rules and regulations you need to get into. And then, you know, the other thing is, too, is, is when you're dealing with high school and even if a premier program, you know, there's a lot of people who apply. So um, we had over 50 applicants from as far north as Pennsylvania and then also as far south as um, Florida and far out west as uh, Texas. So you have to go through all those applications. you got to see if they're certified. you got to make sure that the right things are in place. And, you know, I will say this to you. I don't, you know, the Internet is a wonderful thing, you know, but the Internet also, if there's anything out there where your resume looks fantastic, we pull you up on the 
internet, and it doesn't look so fantastic anymore because you forgot to mention some things that you've had some issues with, it kind of puts a damper in the situation. So you got to spend a lot of time making sure that you're taking care of all the things you need to take care of. Hanging out right now with the principal over there at Berkeley High School in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Of course, uh, Coach Stephen Steele joining us here at 7 o'clock to talk about his new hire. The big doctor is in over there, of course, at, uh, in, in Stag Country. As he is the, uh, the head of the house when it comes to the football program. Dr. Jerry Brown has come in town and doing his thing. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Go back to the COVID thing. Did the cookies – I mean, you know, I know when I feel bad, I usually get some chicken noodle soup from Chick-fil-A because it's just the God soup of all. Those cookies probably had to help just a little bit get you through some of that tough struggle, huh? Well, I got those cookies this week. I was, like I said, I, I was COVID-free um, before we came back into school. I timed it just right to miss the entire Christmas break under quarantine. Wow, there you go. Now, but let those, me ask you this. But those cookies, go ahead. No, but those cookies can cure a lot of things. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be honest with you. We, we're going to get the stories behind the cookie because I, I do. We'll save that for the finale. And, I mean, it's only fair that we use that as the dessert of the interview here tonight there, Coach. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so the process is the process. I mean, you bring all these guys in, well, through social media. You go back and check. And, you know, it's interesting to me because we tell our athletes this all the time. You tell your athletes over there at Berkeley. We tell them across the airwaves, look, your resume starts way before you think you have a resume, and it's called social media. It's called Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and snap this and snap that and snap on and off and all that. But it's the same for coaches, though, huh? I mean, is that what you're telling me, that, Coach, you went out there and started searching Facebook and you're looking at Instagrams and you're seeing pictures and and God knows whatever's on there. Google, you know, you don't have to look up, like, Stephen Steele's Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You just Google it. And if there's something out there that doesn't seem right or whatever, a good part of the time, Google can give you a good heads up. And then the other thing is, too, is, is that when you're dealing with a situation like this, you know, you, you're, you're, you're looking at references. You know, and, when you, and this is what I would tell anybody. If you're working at one specific school right now and you don't put that principle as a reference, it kind of tells me something, <laughs> whether it's yeah. intentional or not intentional, if that makes sense what I'm saying. There's yeah, all those little things. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you the big thing, and I know you won't get into the interview process, but like the screening process, you know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for next-level coaches? Are you looking for young? Where's your program at? And so you got to try to fit the right program with the right coach and also with the community. So you got to factor in all these little pieces into the puzzle when you're trying to find the right person to lead a program. Now, I'm not going to talk about just Berkeley High School. I've done this at um, several other schools also. This could be basketball. It could be baseball. It could be anything. You know, one thing that uh, we have a lot of coaches um, that are really, really good, but you never know whether a good assistant coach or a good coordinator or a good batting coach or a good free throw coach is going to be a great head coach. So there's a lot of intangible things that you're looking for to help to see if they're ready for the next level. Hanging out right now with Coach Steven Still. He's the principal over there at Berkeley High School in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, home of the Stags, as they have brought on a brand-new coach, but a familiar face that has taken these guys in great places in his past. Looking forward to seeing what he does here in the present going into the future with, of course, uh, new head coach, Dr. Jerry Brown, as he is, of course, again, coming back home after a small stint away. And uh, excited to get him on the show, by the way, with us on uh, – Wednesday night, 7.30 will be the time that we'll bring on the good doctor here 
on Southern Sports Central. Now, you talk about – and I agree with you, Coach, because for me, you know, everybody thinks, well, they got to go get this young guy, and he's got to have 20 years because you're building a future. But it may not be the perfect, you know, uh, I'd say recipe, right, or for lack of a better word. It may not be the, the right time at the right place for the right person. And like you saw South Carolina, they got Steve Spurrier basically on the back four. He wasn't even on the back nine, on the back four or five. He maybe got an extra an extra drive out of him, but you know that's who they needed at that time not to go young because we've seen what it looks like when they go young. It doesn't always work out. What was kind of your thought process, if you're allowed to, to say so, when it came down to picking the coaches that you looked for, and what were you guys looking for? Basically, when you're looking for a coach, I go back to what you're saying, like we were just talking about. You're not looking for like a particular. You can't go into the search saying. I want a hot young coordinator, defense or offense, or I want somebody who's uh, 35 years old, married with small kids, so they'll be in the community. You can't say, I want a coach with uh, 40 years experience, 30 years experience. You know, it really comes down to the interview. So you go through the process and you say, these are the people we want to look at. Again, this could be for any sport or anything else. And then you bring them in. And then when you bring them in, you've got to discern whether or not they are the right fit for your program. But most importantly, when we talk about programs, I think this is really lost in a lot of people. We're not talking about programs like here's the weight room, here's the offense, here's the de-. We're talking about kids. So I think a lot of administrators don't necessarily do a good job of really explaining that. But program really means kids. I mean, what do your kids need? What, what do they need to be able to make them more successful than what they are to bring them to the next level and everything else? And also you have to look at assistant coaches like, you know, are they good enough – I hate to say it like this, is can they teach assistant coaches to be better coaches? Can they, or are they just going to try to do, micromanage everything themselves? And when you're running a major program, you don't have time to really do that. You don't have time to, to run every little thing. So you have to have good assistant coaches who are willing to learn, willing to learn, uh, learn your system and be adaptable while keeping the kids all centrally located. Talking to Coach Stephen Steele, the principal over at Berkeley High School right here in South Carolina, over in Monk's Corner, as he uh, has just finished off hiring a, a five-star coach over at a five-star program. And there are legendary programs across our state that we talk about on this show, and, and Berkeley's always in that conversation. It's a traditional helmet. It's a traditional mascot. It's got that traditional feeling when you walk on, on onto that field. How much does that play into factor as far as knowing, hey, look, this – this guy, and of course, this was a perfect fit, and I hate to say a no-brainer for you, but again, this is a guy that's been here before. The community loves him. Social media went crazy. I mean, almost looking, reaching, scratching, and sniffing for anything they could find for the blues clues that you kept trying to lay out on social media. Some thought, by the way, not here. But, man, when you hired, you would have thought you guys just brought in literally a Steve Sprayer or a Dabo Sweeney by the community of Berkeley and the former players all the way from, well, the gentleman from Green Bay, all the way to a guy that played yeah, Maurice, the game. Yeah, yeah Maurice Strayton uh, sent a video in, um, Bruce Ellington, Andre Rusty. We could go down the list. We ended up having to just cut it off a little bit shorter, uh, that video that you were referring to. One of our fans actually made that for us. <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything about how important this is. What I, what I would say to you is, is that, you know, what you're saying is also true. Um, you know, whether working at Somerville, worked at Fort Dorchester and other places, Monk's Corner and Somerville, and, you know, you're, you're not just hiring a coach to coach the team. You're also hiring a coach to protect the legacy. 
Mm. You know, there's there's certain things that you have to be able to instill and that, you know, quite frankly, the communities are expecting from Lake Berkeley. They want the coach to be around. They want the coach to be accessible. They want the coach to be knowledgeable. You know, the fans in Monk's Corner are some of the most ravenous fans around, but, you know, they're also really, really smart. You know, you can't just do something and not have them understand what's going on. You know, it's it's a – and when I say fans, I mean all of them. I mean from 80 to 8 years old. You know, they know the difference between a good call and a bad call. They understand whether kids are ready. They understand whether or not kids look like a 5A program. You know, do their bodies look like they've been through the weight rooms of the 5A program? Are, are we mentally there? Are we physically there? Are we in our moment to seize the day, seize the moment? And are we capable of doing that? And so when you're looking for a coach, whether it's baseball, basketball, or whatever – you're really looking for that that right fit. That right fit for 2021 might have been a, a, a totally different fit in 2015, 2016. And then that same fit might not be right at another at school X, Y, or Z. So you have to look at all these things. And, you know, you got to have a panel. And that's one thing, too, is having the panel there and making sure the panel of, you know, representing parents, representing community members, representing athletics, you know, you – our athletic director, Catherine Butcher, is one of the best athletic directors around. You know, she played at West Point. She's extremely smart. You know, she she sat there and, you know, going through different things. I mean, it, there's just a lot of different moving pieces to find the right fit because if you make the wrong hire, you put your program back three to four years, and then, then what? Very true. Now, let me ask you this. How much did City Slicker? Let's just be honest. And for you guys – who know Monk's Corner, who know the Berkeley Stag, know there's a gentleman <laughs> called City Slicker who is, by all means, he and I are like the best of besties on social media. I actually had the chance to meet him for the first time this past year in that same first game when y'all played and hosted Goose Creek. What a great guy. But that, to me, city, there's a City Slicker in every town. Maybe not like this guy, but they're very <laughs> similar where they're so passionate yeah. about their program. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> He's a rare breed, but I, I love him to death, Coach. Uh, uh, you know, but but he's the kind of guy that you're that you're talking about when you talk about the community, and they they're smarter than you think they are. This dude knows every number from I think the first time they ever mentioned the word football in Berkeley County and in Monk's Corner. For a guy like that to see a guy like this coming in town, man, it it had to be you know bells ringing from one end to the lake all the way to of course uh, Moe's over there right off the interstate. What I tell you about City Slicker, I mean this sincerely, is that he truly loves the kids and he truly loves the program. And yep. he his interest is always for that. And I have a lot of respect for him for a lot of different reasons than just all that. But, you know, he actually preaches what he believes. And, you know, you can't say that about a lot of people. And he says unpopular things sometimes. And he says things that he truly believes. Now, you know, you can't ever fault a human being for being honest in their from their viewpoint. And one thing about Slicker, and you know, on you know, he's I don't know if notorious is the right word, but yeah, it probably is. <laughs> but yeah. the Slicker, you know, he's going to tell you what you what he thinks, you know, and he's going to tell you that you know X, Y, and Z, and you can agree with it, disagree with it, respond to him or not respond to him, but no matter what I say to him, he's still going to be there every Friday night and sitting in the same spot throwing um, peanut shells on the ground. And he loves the program. He loves the kids. And he's one of those people like City Slicker, and I can think of, goodness gracious, five or six other people that are like City Slicker off the top of my head without really putting too much thought to it. But mm-hmm. City, you know, he started his own webpage. He's done this. I mean, he's really supported the kids win, lose, or draw. 
and he's there no matter what. He he's not a fair weather fan. He's he is actually. I mean, he if you want to use a um, super fan, you would probably talk about City Slicker for football. I totally agree with you. Now let's let's get into the butts uh, or the bolts and, and, and screws here. What does it take? Let's just say, for example, there is right now a, a young defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator, an up and coming guy, and he wants to get the cheat sheet on what does he or she. I don't want to undermine the ladies because uh, if you saw the news, you know I, I believe uh, the Washington Redskins just promoted a young lady who's on the coaching staff over there now. But so you see that anybody has an opportunity to be the head coach somewhere if they're the right fit. But what does that individual need to be doing today? What, what kind of preparation do they need to be putting in place in the off season, as you see athletes are doing in the weight rooms, but for coaches, what do they need to be doing coach so that this opportunity comes available? They're ready with the right answers, but they're also with the right resume that you're looking for. This is what I would tell you, and I've watched this several times in several big um, jobs with athletics at a couple of different schools now. So I'm going to talk in generalities if that's okay. Number one is is that your resume is really what what your body of work is. Your coordinator at a school that's won four or five state championships. Well, instantaneously, you've got people's notice attention because you get to wear all the rings into the interview, right? But then people start digging in more into it, like you say the offensive coordinator, you say the defensive coordinator, and then people start looking around going, all right, are, you, is, are they really that? I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's really, you know, are you taking credit for somebody else's work and putting it on a piece of paper? The second thing I'll tell you is, is you know, the coaches, South Carolina coaches are mafia. It's the closest thing to the secret societies you can get. And coaches – know everything and so you do something if you're not living the way you're preaching word gets around that's another thing you have to preach what you live and live what you preach if you don't do that people start asking questions the next thing is is you've got to always you know to be an expert in anything you've got to be a master you've got to do it for 10,000 hours now think about that comment if I'm gonna be an expert of this offense that offense or whatever you know it's 10,000 hours. Where can you show me that you put that time in that you really understand this? Where can I see when I talk to your head coach, if you're a coordinator, that you put the extra time in? Or they say, well, you know, he does a great job calling plays, but we don't ever see him in the summer. You know, what's your body of work? And, you know, when we, I interviewed several coaches that, quite frankly, weren't necessarily the best programs in the history of mankind because their reputation is so stellar that I had to see these people, who these people were and to really see, you know, they've taken this program that's not been necessarily the best program in the world, and I'm not saying they're winning state championships, but they've made a difference in those kids' lives. They've made a difference in that program. They've made a difference in that community. You know, what could you do holistically? And I'll, and I'll tell you this much too, you know, I, there's nothing worse than the interview. So my first question always is, what do you know about Mont's Corner? <laughs> if you can't only tell me about the football team, you really don't want to be part of Monk's Corner. If you don't want to be part of Monk's Corner, there's no reason to really continue the next 16 questions. <laughs> you know, that becomes a part of it too. You know, when you go into the interview process, and, and whether you're at a big-time school, small-time school, whatever, if you made it to the interview process, we're not asking you for your X's and O's. Because I have a hard time in believing that if you're a master coach, right, Richie, 
you you might have the greatest offense in the world, but if it doesn't fit our kids, that offense won't work. So how flexible are you? That comes to play into it. You know, when you're doing an interview and you say, we're going to run the uh, pistol on offense, and we're going to be three wides, and on defense we're going to throw in three five with the cover three, and then I look at they have five huge defensive linemen and only two, two or three defensive backs and a couple of linebackers, and I look over here at offense and they all look like me, I'm not sure we're going to run the pistol wide. And so we're looking for coaches who are more considerate about the kids, the programs, explaining that, you know, that they're going to research it. You know, film is – it's not like the old days. Film is available now. Um, out of – what I say like this is, is that it's always amazing when you ask a coach, and you have to be brutally honest, like, what's wrong with our program? How do you what – what do you do, intend to do to fix it? And every good coach goes – do you really want me to answer that? I said, well, you want to be the coach here. Tell me what's wrong. You know, have you looked at the school's film? Do you know who they have? Do you know who they have coming back? Do you know about their facilities? Do you know about the weight program? What? How much research have you done? Are you just here, hey, this great high school's got an opening, and you just put your name in? You know, and that's, a, and that's another thing is, too, goes back to what do you know about the community. Those interviews really aren't about a whole lot of X's and O's. Those interviews are really, if you get the first round and second round interviews, they're really making the administration feel good that if I put these young people into your care, they're going to be taken care of, and that you're going to make them the best whatever they can be. And, you know, another thing is, is how do you define success? Now, you've been around a lot of athletes. I've been around one or two athletes. <laughs> you know, some success for some kids is, they, you know, it's totally different than other kids. And some success for some teams is totally different than in other teams. But we also have – are they realistic? And another thing is, too, is, is – and, and all these coaches nowadays, and I know they all do it, and I, I get it. They want to bring in these 50, 60 pages worth of paperwork to show you all this stuff. Look, you've already got the interview. The papers – I mean, the papers what you do. I'm, I'm going to give you the keys to the castle – I got to feel comfortable in doing it. So how you present yourself and how you dress. I mean, that's, I know that sounds really weird, but you walk in there and, and you dress for success. It does make an appearance. Like, you know, I'm really trying to get this versus I showed up in a golf shirt and a pullover, you know, and those, those are the things that, you know, really stand out to administrators is that, you know, what are you, who are you as a human being what can I see from your background that know that I know you're ready if you're a coordinator versus a head coach? Now, here's the good thing about coordinators. If you're a coordinator with the right program, you got to step up over everybody. There's no there's no doubt about it. But you've got to make sure that you're living that life too. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, Coach, uh, you, you've definitely laid it out. You can follow us on Twitter, NSO Sports Central, for all of these amazing responses to this interview as we are getting ready to roll out of the principal's office uh, for many times here on and off the air with uh, Coach Stephen Steele from Berkeley High School. He, of course, uh, by the way, Coach, uh, we did an audible, a little football terminology here. We're going to move Coach to 7, and I want to see if your basketball coach is available for 730 because I'll tell you why uh, off the air. But, but I wanna, we're doing a basketball for the, for the coaches that are coaching. And we've got a few coaches that are coming on because they're not coaching Dorchester County. As you know, they don't kick back up until the 
uh, around, what, February 4th, and then actually practicing on the 29th. But we're just looking to talk some basketball as well. But uh, if you could look yeah, into that, let me, me know. <laughs> oh, trust me, that, that affected everybody. <laughs> Because oh yeah, that, there was actually media, there was a meeting today with Region Seven and Region Eight trying to get all that worked out. I mean, I don't try, I do not begrudge anybody trying to keep the kids safe. It's right. just at this point right now, it's like wow, we're still okay. <laughs> if it wasn't so last minute, it wouldn't be a big deal. But listen, I do appreciate you and all. And I, listen, I know all your other guests. You don't pay them like you pay me, and I appreciate that. Hey. And, <laughs> you know, listen and remember. If I come on once a month, I, I you got to pay me. You got to declare me on the taxes too. So I'll be expecting my W nine any day now. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, it's coming, Coach. Trust and believe me. But uh, but I do appreciate you. I can't wait to get my box of cookies. Eugene, you're out. You heard him earlier. Sorry, buddy. I tried to get you a cookie, but uh, you know the deal. So we'll we'll roll with that. But uh, man, it's it's good to have you in here. I want to get you back in a couple of weeks, if not next week, because there's some other conversations. I I got to get get kind of get your mind thought because again. We got National Signing Day coming up uh, real soon. This time next week, I believe it's uh, what February the third is National 4th. Signing Day. February fourth. There you go. So we'll yeah, make third. Yeah, no, no, third. third. No, 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 no. Okay, you're right. It's Wednesday. Yeah, and that's just. I'll tell you who I feel sorry for. I know it's my time's up. Any no, college fine. coach out there recruiting right now? Any right. college coach out there recruiting right now? Goodness gracious! The big thing has always been the eyes on check. You know. And to not sure. be able to really do that, you know, it's 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 <laughs> wow. It's Let me ask good. you this though, before before I get you out of here, because you, you you've played high school football, you played right there in Somerville for uh, Coach McKissick, you played college ball over at Charleston Southern, you've coached all over, you've been with great coaches, your resume speaks for itself. Now you're a principal. Yeah, for for you, do do you see or have you heard or have you rubbed the right elbows or? Are, are shaking the right tree. When are they looking to do away with this this dead period? I thought there was supposed to be a meeting last week. I never heard anything else about it. <laughs> are you hearing anything? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. The problem is is with the NCAA right now is that they have so many different states doing so many different things. So, mm-hmm. for example, is is that. If I'm Tony Elliott, who's one of my favorite people in the world, and I remember when I was an assistant, lowly assistant principal, and he was a lowly wide receiver coach at Essendon State, you know, he can jump on the jet and fly to California, fly to Kansas, fly to Wisconsin, you know, get all the top people. Well, how do you know where, like, if you go to California, can you go meet with the kid? But you can in South Carolina. So what you're really doing is, is you're messing the kids up in California because none of the coaches can see them. Mm. So now you're costing all these recruits these opportunities to be seen by big time college programs and everything else. And so it has been it talking to college coaches and everything else, it's this is really going to be one of those years for recruitment. It's going to be either famine or but it's either going to be great or it's going to be famine. Hmm. Good job. Let me ask you this and this final thing and I will let you get back to the family. I know you got a lot going on over there uh at the house, but does Tony Elliott is, you think he takes that job at Tennessee? What's your what's your gut telling you if you had to you like to do the pickums, are you picking him to stay or or go? Are you buying or selling Coach Elliott to uh, to Tennessee? I think it, I'm going to say something that's not going to be popular. <laughs> I honestly, honestly, why would you leave Clemson to go under NCAA? Because you know they're going to hammer him. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you've got the university admitted to giving kids cash and McDonald bags. I'm loving I mean, it. Right. That's, I mean, Jackie Sherrill, I mean, come on. Guys. <laughs> Who does McDonald's? Like, like what assistant coach would, you know what? If we put it in McDonald's bags, they'll never figure this out. <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with kids and parents with cell phones and all this other stuff. I mean, look, if you can't recruit a kid to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville in front of 100-some-odd thousand people, and in the SEC, which means you get to play on basically TV every week, you get to be against some of the best talent in the country to prove that you know this school should have recruited me and that school should have recruited me. You get all these great benefits being there, and I've got to pay you cash to come here versus X, Y, or Z. And come on, guys. Like that, you know, SMU will tell you that stuff doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were giving out cars. They I were. Mean, it, <laughs> Yeah. You know, Ron Simmons tells that great story about Florida State. Did you ever hear that story? No. Go ahead. Okay. So Ron Simmons got a brand new Trans Am, um, and then all of a sudden something happened to it. He took the Trans Am back to the dealership, and they gave him another new Trans Am. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you know the bad thing is that's a true fact. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ron, I mean, Ron Simmons tells a story. I mean, like, but anyway, I know you got other guests coming on. I don't want to be rude to them, but no, like I good. said, you know, appreciate I you, appreciate coach. this. And like I said, you know, when you send me my W two for being on the show all these times, I mean, I yeah. I can't begin to tell you. I expected artwork, like the principal's office artwork on you, but yeah, you know, I don't get that. I get pictures from like five or six years ago, <laughs> but that's okay. I figured your I figured your graphic design department would have taken care of that by now. Ow. Wow. <laughs> he got that's you. That <laughs> he got that's you. And that's why you're not getting a cookie. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, guys. I mean, as many times uh, as I've been on here now, I feel like I'm kind of a regular, like, hey, Rick yeah, in Prince's Corner. I have, like, to, I have a t-shirt. Down to get that picture. I mean, your Twitter says you live in Virginia. I mean, come on, man. No, it says I'm from Virginia. Virginia. Coburn, oh, Virginia is where my family's from. But hey, listen, I thought you were like Conrad Thompson. You know, we'd have T-shirts up and everything else and a bunch of stuff. But I guess not. Oh God, <laughs> Coach, we appreciate you. I tell you, man, Joey Steele's probably sitting back going, "I got to find a way." He told me the other day, I said, "Man, I got to get on." So what's going to happen? Well, I think oh, Joey, listen. Book. I thought that might help. Well, listen. <laughs> Joey Steele is honestly one. Of the, he's probably legitimately one of the best offensive line coaches that's ever worked for me. <laughs> <That's my laughs> so listen, awesome. you guys have a great rest of the day. If y'all need anything, yeah. I, as always, and like I said, we'll catch up either later tonight or tomorrow. Probably be better to get everything with Coach yes, Brown. We'll talk about basketball. All right, God bless, Coach. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. All right, bye. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Out of the principal's office we go from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. We're going to take a trip down 17A. We'll hit I-26 and then Ashley Paul State over there to Patriot Boulevard. We're heading to the gym. That's right. It's time coming up right out of this break, and we will give him his intro. And, again, this song, Sunday's Best, is to this guy. He's one of the best-dressed guys in high school basketball. I said one because I don't want to upset Coach Hollis, who's coming on at 8 o'clock. But coming up next, we're heading to the Fort, Fort Winchester's own Coach Thomas McElveen will be joining us right out of break, guys. Don't go anywhere. It is some high school basketball right out of this.
fight the challenge All you gotta do is leave it better than you found it It's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance I just say whatever cause there is no way you're round it Everyone falls down sometimes But you just gotta know it'll all be fine It's okay Give your feet some gravity to get you grounded Keep good things inside your ears just like the waves and sound it And just say whatever cause there is no way you're grounded Everyone falls down sometimes But you just gotta know it'll all be fine It's okay uh-huh. It's okay Everybody, it's time to walk this way, and we're hanging out at the fort with the one and only, that is, of course, the head basketball coach for the Patriots, Coach Thomas McElveen. What's up, Coach? What's up? What's up? I love it, man. Your best dress, by the way. If that was an award, I believe you would get it, and I and I thought about it. As I bring all you guys in, I, I try to, A, walk this way. That's kind of your thing. When you walk out on the court, you've got this whole presence that you bring with you with your with your leisure suits and those designer shoes, and you're kind of doing your thing. Of course, best dressed, thanks to your other half, I'm sure, uh, the first lady over there, Miss Holly, is keeping you in check. But all that being said, the most positive dude that I get a chance to hang out with on and off the court, in and around the field, and, and, and just in the community, man. You, you're always smiling. You're always looking at the positive, never the negative. And, uh, you know, it's just an honor to get you back in here with us on, on the show to talk some basketball because, again, man, you guys haven't played since, what, the second week of December. And it's been a minute since you guys have thrown around some of that uh, that basketball into the rim. Yeah, man, it seemed like it was last season. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. Uh, actually, it was yeah. December 15th is the last time we was on the court. Wow, December 15th. Now, you won't get back on the court until this Friday. Amen. And Lauren's – uh, the good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, and, and, and the meeting tonight goes well, because I believe Dorchester County, too, has a conversation tonight if they haven't already had it. But but I'm looking at the notes here. 
you're back on the court as of the 29th. That's this Friday. Um, how has it been? Have you kept up with your guys? And I know the answers to a lot of these, but for the listeners, how has how have you had to get creative? I guess what ways have you done to keep in touch with your um, th- these guys who, again, are just hungry to play some basketball this time of year? Well, you know, I, I was um, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I was out, you know, talking to the guys. I'm texting them back and forth. You know, we got like group chats going on. Uh, I got a, a social media app that we use um, to communicate. Um, I kept the parents um, up on everything that was going on, the best of my knowledge. And I tried every time I got something, I, I made sure my parents know. I let my guys know. Um, kept them up, keep them, try to keep them in good spirits because you know, sitting at home watching everybody else playing on TV. I mean, you see people playing, you're watching social media, seeing this game playing, that one playing. This one practicing and everything's being put on uh, social media and our guys sitting home not being able to do that. You know, I had to try to keep your spirits up because, you know, they were getting down, so I had to try to keep your spirits up and just let them know, hey, control what you can control. Mm. And you hear that a lot. And he says that all the time, control what you can control and everything else will fall in place. And he's told his uh, – by the way, he's also the, the head B team coach over at Ford, so he's never – not coaching somebody, amazingly enough, that he's got three uh, incredible athlete sons who have come through the system between, what, Goose Creek and now, of course, finishing up over there at the Ford as Justin graduates this year, a young man who's an incredible linebacker. But I I can tell you this, Coach, I I watched you not only coach up the kids on your court. And, again, I had the opportunity during the early part of the season, uh, along with Joe and a few of our closest buddies in the world of media, to bring the games on TV. So I got a chance to watch – these seniors and juniors and a few underclassmen that just kind of rotated in and out and watching the way that you're able to feed almost like a pitching coach would against the batter, you substitute very similar without giving away any secrets on you, but you, you've got that depth, man. You've got that talent from the bench all the way to the start five that you put on at the beginning of the game. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we pretty deep. We got, I, I trust all my guys. Um, there's not one guy that I put in the game and I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I hope he don't get the ball. I hope he, they don't go to him or they pass the ball to the person's guard. Every guy that I put on the field, on, the, on the court, I trust them. If, if I don't trust them, one, they won't be on the team. Two, they won't, get on, they won't get on the court. Now, talking about being on the court, by the way, this is a team that has found themselves in the top ten, then quit playing right after the 15th, fell out of the top ten, now they're back in the top ten with not playing a game, by the way. They're 5-0. and They swept Kane Bay and Stratford. They were on their way to sweeping Wando before the season was put to a halt because they had beaten Wando pretty good earlier that week. You're 5-0. and You've seen, I think, enough film to come into what's going to be a very uh, speed-dating style uh, schedule for you guys as you'll open up against Ashley Ridge, a rival team, as you guys have. It seems like everybody's your rival in this day and age. But but Ashley Ridge, of course, a team right down the road. If you go down Dorchester Road off of what, what 161 or somewhere in that area in the in the woods there, you guys will, will host them on the 4th, right? And that's that's kind of a day you guys have circled, but a very good team. You know, you've got a lot of respect for that coach. I know he's got a lot for you. What are you guys doing prematurely, I guess, to, that you can do to have these guys ready? Because, again, the good news is that Ashley Ridge – in both Somerville, the teams that you start and finish with haven't played, not the two teams in the middle that you'll be playing. But, again, 
What's kind of been the mindset for you right now, getting ready for that big tip off on Thursday night? Well, uh, we got to be ready. We, uh, like I tell my guys, we got to minimize the mistakes. We can't uh, make too much mistakes because right now, we we playing everybody one time, so we can't go back and say, "Oh man, we messed up and we did this." So when we play the next time, we gonna counter, we gonna counter with this, or they did this to us and we weren't prepared. We gotta be prepared for everything, um, every single. Thing I can think of that I think somebody's going to throw at me, I'm going to throw it. Pretty much what I'm going to, my, I mean, nobody will probably notice, but whatever I think is my weakness, that's what we can mm-hmm. practice. I want to get good right. at, at that because, you know, um, we're going to put pressure on people. That's what we do. We a pressure team, and, you know, I feel like I try to make people get uncomfortable. Um, when you're not comfortable, sometimes you don't think right. You do things that you, that's uncharacteristic of the, of yourself. So I want to try to make them uh, be uh, much uh, uncomfortable as possible. And, and if I can do that and be successful while doing it, I, I think we'll be all right. Hanging out over there at the fort with the head basketball coach, Coach McElveen, hangs out with us here as he is ready to get it going here. Coming up this Friday, they get back on the hardwood for the first time since December 15th they're five and oh and that doesn't stop anything other than the conversation of let's just get to the next day to see the day after that of course that day will be february 4th ashley ridge they'll be at home now coach you've got size uh on the tall size and the shorter size you got speed you've got a lot of things that, that that a lot of coaches wish they had i've again having the chance to watch your big man over there do some dunking and do some other things as far as being able to, to block out and, and to have the other guys kind of come around with a pick there. Talk about some of these big names that we haven't had a chance to talk about because, well, they haven't played, but when they played, boy, did they play with some three-point shots, some big dunks, and some pretty big shots at the right time. Well, you know, um, our big man, like he played last year. He was he was an all-region player. Um, like a, like a, the way how we played, like la- the way how we played last year, he very well could have probably been um, close to being the um, player of the region. I mean, Antoine Parker um, by far was the, the best athlete um, in, in our region. But um, Dimitri uh, McKelvey could have been taken with his presence, the way he demanded the paint and, and blocking shots and grabbing rebounds. Did all the dirty work, everything that a lot of kids don't like to do. That was that, He was that guy. Um, he's one of them guys that – if you gon if if you gonna get in the in the bar well, I ain't gonna say that. If you get in the in the fight and you need somebody to help you out and and um have your back, he'll be there for you. And he'll he'll fight tooth and nail with you while you while you doing your um your dirty work, he can do it right there with you. Now of course, uh you you've got a couple of other guys who are able to be some uh, you know, do some big things as well. As I watched one guy have a career high uh early in the season, as I believe he's a senior. Tell me about your senior uh, sensation, that senior stuff that's kind of leading the way by the senior leadership, not just on the court, but what he's doing off the court. Well, I mean, our seniors, we got we got real good seniors. Uh, Temple um, Simmons, uh, Temple is a, is a senior. Um, he, he's been on the varsity now. I think this is his third year uh, varsity. Uh Wait is his turn. He was he played a lot last year, but you know he had the he had the waiter's turn behind those other guys that was ahead of him, and you know he did his role. He he's a very humble kid. Didn't didn't put up no fuss about. It. Felt like he should have played more. He did his part, and he came in ready. And he's my um, point guard. He's controlling 
controlling the floor. Um, the other gentleman, I think you're talking about, um, they, he's a junior. He's not a senior. That's Omarion Green uh, and um, Davion Joyner. Davion Joyner is a, thir- uh, a three-year varsity player as well, and he's just a junior. Um, both of those guys, they are cousins of uh, the carry-on joiner. And those guys, you know how that bloodline, they, they, they can play. They, they are very athletic kids. So um, I'm happy to have them on my side. And if they're playing and they are very – they step up to the captain role. Um, Davion joiner have. I, I talk to him periodically, um, let him know what I expect, what I think we need to do, and he kind of like um, – talk to other guys and, and uh, relate the message what I got. And he they, he was pretty much, he said he had those guys, and it was really focused, and I think they're gonna be, we're going to be all right. I know we weren't in the gym. There was a lot of mental reps. I think they might have found some outside court to go play because they told me that they was playing outside, which is something kids don't do no more. So when they told me that, that told me that they were hungry and they was ready to get back. And, and um, I told them, you know, we – we got a chance to, to make the best out of this situation and do something. Still got a chance to make it make it special. Um, you know, my our model always been why not us? You know, they're always talking about, hey, the low country don't play basketball. You know, the basketball is upstage. Y'all just football. And, you know, our model is why not us? Why can't we be the defenders? Why can't we be the state champion? Why can't we, why can't we be this? Why can't we be that? Why not us? And that's our model. Why not us? You know, they're going to eventually have to talk about it. Like, you said that we were in the top ten. I, I know we was in it one time. I didn't even know we we fell out of it, that we was back in it. You know, I didn't even pay that no attention because at the start of the year, like, I think we, they had us rank, like, top 40 in the state or something like that. So I thought it was funny because we made it to the third round of the playoffs last year and didn't lose much. A lot of people thought we lost a lot, but we didn't lose much. And, I mean, it showed the way we start off going 5-0. and But – you know, like I say, we can control. We can control what we control, and we're just gonna let everything fall where it falls. Hanging out right now with the coach, going with why not us and why not tonight? Where we talk to the head basketball coach from Fort Dorchester, that is the one and only Coach Thomas McElveen. As he looks right now at five and zero, oh, they of course will play four more games. That's a nine nine game season, Coach. Before you guys hit the playoffs, and and you heard the commissioner pretty much lay out the law and you're familiar with it because you also are on the football staff as well on the Friday nights, you're on the sidelines and it's, it's basically a, a mirror image of what we saw in football. If you catch the dirty word that we don't use that type of language on here, then you're out during the playoffs. If you catch it at the end, well, they'll work with it, but it, it, it's basically kind of a, a quick dating process between you and, and what four other teams in this region of five, that you guys are going to have to get after it. What, what's your thoughts on and, and what we like to call the speed dating schedule of Dorchester County to getting you guys ready for playoffs? Well, you know, and then again, we, we have a very competitive uh, region. Like our region is not a, a slouch region. We have a very good region. And so, like I said, we don't have, we have to minimize our um, mistakes because we've got so many, uh, anything can happen. Any given night, anybody can be beat. Um, saw that last year. So, with you, when you got um, with all this, this, like you say, speed dating, I I call it like an AU uh, AU uh, tournament. You know, I, I come from the AU circuit, so a lot of a lot of times it's you don't have much of time to prepare or, or practice in between games, especially when you're in a big time tournament. 
especially a showcase. You playing against all kinds of styles, all kinds of real good players. This kind of reminds me like an AAU schedule. I mean, you, you don't have much time to prepare. You don't have a lot of times it's going to be one day in between because we're going to be playing every other day to finish the schedule so we can be on time for the uh, playoffs because what they're doing is everybody's going to play everybody wants. Uh, everybody wants and whoever have the best record going to be the region champion. Then out of the four teams, they got to do a, a, a tournament to determine the second-place team because one and two is the only two can make the playoffs. So it's going to be it's going to be rough coming out this region. I mean, once we didn't have we have been not practicing since December uh, December sixteenth, which was the last day that you could have practiced because that was that Friday. Or um, as us, we played the fifteenth. That was the last day because we got the word that we wasn't going to practice. The Charleston County got shut down that we wasn't going to have a game, so we didn't practice because we know we wasn't going to play Wando that Friday. So to go from that to only playing four, possibly four games, maybe six games to make it to the playoffs, I mean, even with that, you're still going to be behind the curve because I'm, I'm looking at a lot of teams. A lot of teams already played 15, 16, 17 games. We'll just be at what, 11 games at the most before the playoffs? So, you know, it's 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 going to be a grind. But, I mean, whoever – I think whoever come out this region is going to be fine. I mean, we, we have a very good region, very competitive. And when it comes down to the playoffs, we'll be ready, whoever it is. Whoever out this region will be ready. Well, Coach, the one good news is that everybody you're playing in this region is basically on the same accord as you guys. You mentioned Charleston – because why is that stall and both West Ashley are in that county, why you guys are, are in that district. And then, of course, Fort Dorchester, Ashley Ridge, and Somerville uh, are all on the same accord as well, not playing. So at least there's that conversation that, that's being had. And, again, you open up on the 4th. You're going to host Ashley Ridge. Then you go to stall on the 8th. Then on the 10th, it's at, excuse me, home against West Ashley. And then it's that big-time rival with the Green Wave and Coach Long uh, at Somerville on February the 12th. Man, I, I tell you, no sleep for the weary, but, you know, it's kind of like coming out of a vacation. You're almost ready to get back to work, right, Coach? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the good thing is all three Dorchester's uh, two schools are on the same schedule. Somerville and uh, West, and, and West, I mean, uh, Stall and West actually have already been practiced. They practiced up to December, 3rd, uh, December 30th. And I right. think they took uh, like a, a week or so uh, break. And then back at um, practicing last week. Matter of fact, the coach called me tonight, so he just got out to gym. I mean, they're practicing. <laughs> and, um, you know, those guys, they're going at it. They're getting ready. They're going to be ready. So um, them, they will, last I actually install, I think, they will play each other first. So both of those guys are preparing and practicing for each other. Um, we play Ashley Ridge. And Ashley Ridge and I and us have not been practicing. So we'll be sure. kind of on the same page. Where some and of them have, they don't play that night. So some of them get to practice that longer and potentially come and watch Ashley Ridge or, or whoever they come because they'll be able to, they'll have a bias. So they'll be able to come and actually scout the game. Wow. Yeah, because so what we're, we're hearing, 
Oh, it is. And what we're hearing, a couple things uh, before we get you out of here, Coach, is that they're looking to open the gyms back. And, and I just, again, I, I'm all about mamas and daddies and grandmamas and, heck, even the mailman. I, I get it. They want to come in. They want to watch uh, little Johnny and Susie do what they do. But, man, I got to tell you, at what risk? At what risk? Because the one thing I was really proud about it in Dorchester County, even though some didn't like it, you know what? When you kept it, you controlled the controllable. That is exactly what they were able to do by the way that they kind of, I thought, put things together because at the end of the day when it's all said and done if we're here for the kids we want to see these kids not just exactly. start the season we want to see them finish the season and if you got to watch them on tv or or whatever it is that's fine but it's a lot better than being what we saw in the spring season and what if we're not careful they're not gonna be a lot of start and stops coming forward after this once this train starts to move those who fall off the tracks you're off the tracks and the rest of the train keeps moving to the state championship so Coach, we wish you the best of luck. I'll actually be at that game, uh, at the Ashy Ridge game. Uh, that's a good game, and I want to possibly talk to you about doing something with you on that. But uh, we look forward to catching up with you off the air. You know we appreciate you, all that you do, and your family. And, of course, uh, again, we can't wait to watch you styling and profiling on the sidelines or, on the, of course, court side here in a couple of weeks, Coach. Man, since you, since you said that, man, I might have to bring out those gators. I'm going to have to bring up some gears. Hopefully I can keep them down while I'm walking. I hope so, too, buddy, because i tell you what. Not only does he have, uh, I'm telling you, styling and profiling, man, you ought to have your own intro music when you come in. I'll talk to Coach Pratt and see if we can't put something together for you, man. But it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, your energy in the community is massive. You know, you're always happy. I don't understand why you're so happy. It always makes me angry because you're so happy, right? But you are. You're always on the yeah, upside. Hey, hey listen. I can tell you, I'll tell you a, a good way how to change your mind. You know, no matter what you're going through, um, somebody else is always going through worse. You know, mm. you wake up in the morning, you, you you need to thank God that you woke up because a lot of people haven't made it through. You you uh, with this pandemic, a lot of people didn't make it through this pandemic. A lot of people are sick. So there's so much stuff that you can be happy about that you don't need to be sad. I mean, to be 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 upset about. So you know, I'm. I'm always I count on the blessing being uh, alive and able to see things because you know a lot of a lot of people wish they could see the things that I'm seeing wish they could be like be at you know it's just a pleasure man especially coaching I mean coaching high school kids you know trying to make, uh, helping uh, more young men and being a good father good uh, yeah. husband good son-in-law you know like, those things I, I really love so you know that keeps me going and. It's not about the money. It's not about the title. It's about the, all the, the things that I get to, to do and see. You know, there's so many kids I'm seeing now that I coach through the years, um, actually coaching uh, college basketball, I mean football now, um, making it to the NFL or, or playing arena football and, and, and giving me a call or shoot me a, um, a social media message talking about how I um, they really appreciate everything I've done for them. They see me coaching basketball and they're rooting for me, you know, stuff like that. You know, I love love seeing things like that, knowing that I made a difference in somebody's life. And, you know, that's what just keep me going. Well, Coach, I tell you what, I can't wait to catch up. We'll do it here shortly. But uh, Pastor McElveen dropping some knowledge and some scripture on us here on a beautiful Monday yes, night. Sir. 
Yeah, <laughs> hey, look, minister, minister we appreciate you. Keep ministering it, man. Keep doing whatever it is. Keep sprinkling, throwing the water, doing what you got to do, man. Because at five and zero, oh, and I got, I got a lot of, uh, I got a lot of faith in you. What you're doing at your program on and off the court, buddy. But appreciate your time. Tell the uh, the first lady over there, Miss Holly, thank you for letting you hang out with us for about thirty minutes tonight. All right, appreciate it. All right, buddy. Appreciate you very much. As we'll take a quick break, because we're going to go all the way from North Charleston, and he can hang on. By the way, so Coach McElveen, if you want to hang out there, you can listen to the next coach coming up. Because we're going all the way to Oceanside, and we're going to do it just in a few minutes. Because Coach Hollis joins us next. Don't go anywhere. The Land Sharks are in the house right out of this. Going into hour three. Back here to Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Yelton alongside Eugene Bent, one of the bank, uh, well, the Fort Norchester head basketball coach. Coach Thomas McElveen joined us here for 30 solid minutes. Before that, we were in the principal's office over at Berkeley High School with, uh, well, Coach Steven Still as he's hired on his new head football coach, Dr. Jerry Brown. We'll have him on the show with us on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Can't wait to catch up with him. And then at 6.30, you know, we always head to Charlotte on Monday night, and that, of course, is with Reginald Walker Jr. As now we head over to Oceanside. It's a land shark segment here as we bring in for the first of many. Can't wait to talk to Coach Hollis. Quentin Hollis is the head basketball coach. Coach Hollis, welcome to Southern Sports Central, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Man, you're moving. You're on the show. You're winning basketball games. You're going on the road doing it up, I believe, in Myrtle Beach a couple weeks ago. Man, no sleep for the weary, man. You're still playing some ball on a uh, on a January weekend, I guess, huh? Uh, yeah, we are, man. Always moving, busy schedule. Got to stay adjusting. Got to just be ready for anything. So, so let's talk a little bit about you because uh, you know we we haven't had the chance to get you on. So I like to preview our coaches as much as our athletes, and we're going to ask you some questions about some of your guys on this impressive basketball program that you've put together over there at Oceanside. But uh, who is Coach Quentin Hollis? Where would you come from, Coach? Uh, what what landed you at, to, at Oceanside, and, and what was your road to get to Oceanside, if you don't mind? Uh, we can take it far back. Um, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, where I played basketball. Uh, played varsity for four years since my freshman year. Uh, ended up being a McDonald's All-American nominee. Uh, lost out to a pretty good guy named A.J. Moyer, who went on ahead and played uh, Indiana, uh, you know, beat a couple of Duke teams. Uh, then I got a scholarship to play basketball at the College of Charleston, where I played four years there. And after there, I was going to try to go overseas just to work out. So I went back home and met up with my old high school coach and just started coaching JV and never wanted to be a varsity coach. 
that ended up becoming getting a chance to be the varsity coach. But I just wasn't ready. I was like 24 years old. So then, next thing I know, got married. We moved up to moved back up to Charleston, South Carolina. Started working down the street, uh, just loose end jobs, and got a job at Wando while the student concern specialist. But I just I wasn't able to coach at Wando, so. I still, like, the, the passion of basketball started to burn back in me because I was actually working kids out doing personal training. And then that's why I met uh, the current principal now, Ms. Corley. She was at Wando also. And I was, I was leaving Wando. It just so happened that Oceanside was opening up. So me and her, we went over to Oceanside, and I've been there ever since. I love it. As we're live right now with Coach Quentin Hollis, as you heard, Played the game, now coaching the game, and uh, his story, amazing. Man, I tell you what, I, I knew they put a lot of NFL guys out of the league and, and, and football guys out of Atlanta, but who knew how great the sport of basketball has been to that city? Because there's a lot of guys like yourself that come out of Atlanta, man. Sports City USA would kind of be what you would think about about Atlanta, man. What is it about that, that state, that, that, that city, that, that just produces so many incredible athletes, both male and female, Coach? I mean, I just think at, at the time, like, a lot of guys just really dedicated their life just to playing basketball because when I grew up, it was games was kind of really heavy then. I knew, like, my father was like, hey, you never joined the gang, so to keep myself out of trouble, I just played basketball from sun up to sun down to some days I couldn't walk anymore. So just fell in love with the game of basketball and had some early success. Uh, and I just played with older guys, like, my whole life, so that allowed me, you know, to kind of be dumb to play with kids my age, but – this back home in Atlanta, there's courts everywhere. We had inside courts, outside courts. Like, I never played organized basketball until eighth grade, so I played on the playground just against bigger kids, getting scratched up on concrete pitch. Like, I really I... – I love it as we're hanging out right now. Coach Hollis here as he's moving, by the way, and in, in, in hanging out with us here on a Monday night. It feels like summertime today, by the way, Coach. I think 72 72- – was uh, was the high today, but that's not the only thing that seems to be warming up. You guys over there in the basketball courts are are doing some great things. Uh, I saw you guys have a game coming up this Friday. If this is if, again, correct me if these numbers are wrong, and it's the internet's fault if it is. If it is, but you guys have a game this weekend coming up against Hanahan. Now you beat them earlier, seventy-eight thirty-eight. You're sitting at nine and five in the season, two and one in the region. I know you took a tough one. Uh, against the team on the other side of the river over there, of course, uh, in Bishop England on Friday night. But, you know, short-term memory, long-term goals. Kind of tell us about the season as you guys are underway here midway through our end of January now. Oh, yeah, so we actually um, – if Charleston County is able to play, we actually play North Charleston Tuesday, then Hanahan Friday. Hmm. So, yeah, right now on the season we're sitting 9-5, and five, but uh, those five games were just some actually really, really good teams. Um, and I got a super young team with three seniors, two sophomores. I'm sorry, three seniors, two juniors, nine sophomores, and two freshmen. And those wow. guys, again, like myself, just dedicate themselves to basketball. They're gym rats. They're always in the gym, always working out somewhere. So, And those teams we let kind of lost to, like senior league teams and just like, super strong team, but it's something for us to look forward to. And I told those guys, you know, the only thing I can ask you to do is compete, play hard, and we'll get there one day. We'll be 10 seniors deep. You know, we'll beat up all those freshman teams, but I just love how hard these guys compete and play on the season. Just like I told them, one, one week, we may have two games scheduled. We might only play one. We may have three games scheduled, only play two. So just, that's just more practice time for us to get better in jail as a young team. Now, Coach, you guys went and traveled again. I'm getting my notes up with Eugene's help and, and some of our closest buddies on the World Wide Web. 
Y'all went to Myrtle Beach. Did you guys play in the Beach Ball Classic, that, that traditional? And I'm originally from Myrtle Beach, so, you know, I'm a big fan of that tournament up there that's held during the holidays. Is that where you guys played over the Christmas break? Yeah, we played in the winter jam. We didn't play in the big boy yet since it's our first time getting invited, but we had a sure. pretty good showing. So the guy the guy from Big Shot said, hey, we, we're looking to invite you guys back. I said, hey, we can play in three events. So I'm actually kind of excited how we uh, how we perform now. Now, first time on the national stage, we played a team, Northwood Temple, which they had probably about eight Division One guys. Uh, we got beat by about 40 to 50. I don't even remember anything that happened that game to our short-term memory. But <laughs> – we showed up the next game and we won the next game, and we lost the last game by two points of overtime. So three, three like prep school type teams. Like a guys really handled themselves pretty well out there. Yeah, and again, you you start to kind of look at how things are going in a tournament like that, coach. And and, and let's talk quickly uh, before we get ready for the upcoming week and and how the it looks like for the playoffs for you guys over there in Region Eight Three A basketball. But this is a great opportunity and something that football didn't have because while we talk about recruiting, you know, it is tough for these, these football players. But you know what? It's just tough for your basketball fans and your players here on your court because I know you may or may – I don't know if you have any seniors or not. I haven't seen that actual updated roster. But for recruiting purposes, how great was that to go to Myrtle Beach knowing that there were other guys because even though – you might have talked, took a loss and a tough one, but you went against the best kids around the country, not just in your region or even here in the state. How much did that kind of help give the notoriety to your athletes along with the program? Oh, it helped tremendously because kids always kind of say they want to play the best, but until they actually get out there and see that speed and see how physical these guys look, if you're if you're a real player or a dog, it's really going to just motivate you to work that times hard, that much harder whether it's in the weight room, in the classroom, on the court. And that's exactly what it did. We we came right back the next day from Myrtle Beach, took one day off, and we was right back in the gym competing harder than ever. So I love those big-time type tournaments. Now we fast forward to where we are right now. You mentioned North Charleston, and if they're eligible to play with the restrictions and the words that we don't use that type of language on your coach, so we'll move forward. But – was it five, six games left on your schedule, or is it, is it stretched out a little longer? What does the next two or three weeks look like for the Land Sharks as you guys are, are looking to win this region and, and keep this momentum going that you guys have so far? Yeah, so with only the other two teams, Academic Mag and North Charleston, they were the only two teams that couldn't play. So only about a week was kind of canceled or postponed out of, out of their season. So instead of our season, let's say ending February 9th, they'll add on probably another week. And and they'll probably play those additional games, but of course, of course, the first game is what we're here. The first game really matters the most, you know, and and really really counts. Hanging out right now with Coach Quentin Hollis. He is the head basketball coach over there at Oceanside Academy. Of course, we've had everybody under the sun. Yet this coach is yet to have the opportunity to catch up with us. We're excited to talk some basketball with Coach Hollis now, Coach. Let's just be honest. It looks like you can still play the game. Between you and, of course, the coach, uh, McElveen, uh, I think I've got you a center. And, of course, I'm not sure what position you played in basketball. But it looks like both you guys still have it and uh, and get after it there, uh, even on the courts as a practice. Oh, you're both definitely. Uh, so, I played shooting guard. That's in about a, a good six one on a good day. So, right now, you know, I don't – I'm more like – I'm like an old school guy. I'm not trying to hit the floor at all, but I shoot it in your face all day. So, <laughs> and even like some days, like, we need an extra kick in practice. So, I got – I hired two younger coaches, so I don't have to demonstrate a lot of drills. 
So I got, let's say, six total coaches, and if we really need a competitive day. We don't tell the players. We just come in with our gym shoes and our shorts. As soon as the players see that, like the practice gets amped up because they know, all right, coach is about to scrimmage. And we don't take it easy, though. Like, we post them up. We talk trash to them. Like, it's a real live game. And that gives us that extra edge in practice. But now, get me wrong. We so, we're so for about three days after that. But they know one day we're going to give you all we got. We done that one week. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot of things. And I, I'm pretty close to a good bit of your folks over there in Oceanside. And I tell you what, you got a great family of, uh, of parents and, and staff and, even Miss Corley, the, the principal, what an incredible woman she is. And just it seems, you know, a very family-friendly environment. Every time I've been over there, and, and again, now with Coach Call over there, who I spent a long time with in, uh, in a future uh, opportunity, as we like to say in our business, uh, you know, it, it's something that y'all just got stronger. You know, y- y'all's program got even even stronger by bringing him in there and, and, and adding the values that he did. But from what I understand, you guys are very similar, and a lot of you coaches your mindset, your faith, and your walk and your talk are all about the same when it comes down to just getting down to business, Coach. Yeah, I mean, because really in this business, especially high school, you coach because of your love and your passion for the kids. Like, I just think I think our administrative staff and our athletic department, like, they're so supportive. And we are a big family because, for one, to come to our school, you can live in our district, but you have to choose to come to our school. We don't come out and say, hey, come to our school. Like, you got to actually want to be at Oceanside. You got to do your steps to get there. So, if you take that much time to be at our school, why not give it your all? You're only in school for like four hours, so you, you got the easiest schedule in America. Why would you mess up a chance like that? So that's why I think so many of our kids love and cherish once they get in there. They wear shark paraphernalia everywhere. Like, if you go to our school, you've seen it, it's sharks everywhere. Like, you cannot see a shark any corner in our school. It's sharks everywhere, and I think we just take that pride of, a, you know, a shark. I always tell my guys, a shark cannot swim backwards, so we're always attacking. We're always moving forward. A bad play. Okay, so if I'm not yelling, you shouldn't be down here. So once I start yelling, I right, get yourself together. So it's always swim forward, always attack mentality. I love that quote, Eugene, and you just heard him. A shark can't swim backwards, so you're always going forward. I love that opportunity to, to quote him on that one there. We're live right now with the head basketball coach all the way from Oceanside Academy. Coach Quentin Hollis joins us here as uh, these guys are on the mission. And, of course, that is to win not only the region but to win the state. And it starts, of course, the next game. And then the game after that is they are now in the region play. And hopefully it, it'll work itself through that you guys will get there and, and be able to kind of start and finish all in one. Now, your social media department, by the way, has seemed to really – amped it up quite a bit and again i i've got an idea who's over there with you but man what a great job in the world of social media because let's just be honest coach that's all we got these guys can't come to y'all so you got to go to them and social media has been your best friend coach oh it has but you know we can actually have uh we can have fans in our stands we have a limited number but you know you have to wear your mask got to take those precautions but I went, I reached out to one of you know one of the football coaches here. He wanted to start like doing graphics. I said, Well you know what, hey, I got a lot of ideas. So as you see, if you check out our Oceanside page, my page, we're doing videos, you know, highlight films, we're doing all that kind of stuff. And I just like I tell my kids, Hey, if you if you just play hard as you can, you compete. I sometimes only care about the score. It just you give it your all, I'm satisfied with whatever score. If you do that for me, I'll give you guys the world that I can. Whatever I can afford, I give you the world that's social media, graphics, team shoes, whatever it is. Just know saying compete, give it your all. And as you see, we do graphics every day, every year, every every month, seems like. Every week. Yeah. Every week, every hour. Man, I tell you what, the phone doesn't quit dinging and danging and all that other stuff. And he does a great job for you. I have to reach out to him and give him a fist bump through uh, the world of social media. But 
Coach, let me ask you this. Where did you go to high school, by the way, in Atlanta? We've got some connections in Atlanta, like Cedar Grove and a few other good high schools there. But where, where, was, where was your high school there in Atlanta? Yeah, so I went to Redan High School. We was around the corner pretty much from uh, Cedar Grove, go around 285. So I went to Redan gotcha. High School. It was in Stone Mountain, Georgia, close to Lithonia area. Gotcha. Now, how, how great would it have been? I mean, these kids, do they realize, and I had this conversation with, with your athletic director, I have it with your football coaches, and, and, and just in general, because the system that you guys have put in place, I think is incredible, because there's, you know, the uh, the School of Arts, right? And that's over at North Charleston, where these kids, mm-hmm. they go in, and they're arts kids, and they go in, and they, they learn their trade. They learn what they're there to learn, but they also do an extremely great job at education. It is like the athletic same version at, at Oceanside. And by the way, before we want to toot the horn on the athletic side, I got to give it thumbs up and high five for your academic side because you guys are just continuing to get higher numbers week after week. And again, the the environment I, I think breeds that not only competitively on the field but in the classroom. How big was it, and how big is it for you to see this opportunity to be a school that that basically again mirrors off of uh, an opportunity to promote athletes in their in their time to shine. Yeah, student student athlete is the main thing that you're hearing us say. Even if we don't have it often, but some one of our kids unfortunately have to hard, learn a hard lesson with his grades are up to par, and I had to keep my word. Well, hey, you cannot touch this floor until your grades are the par. So instead of him coming to practice, our practice time he would go he would go meet with a teacher. And then he can't come to practice until he has three or four successful days to meet with that teacher signed off. Then he comes out. But then vice versa, doing if some of these kids want to play in college, which they can, if they put their mind to it, it mirrors in college. Because in college, you're not going to be in, in school for eight hours. You will have a class here, there, workout during the day. You might be during the day. might be in the afternoon. Like sometimes, like during the season, since we practice in the morning, we actually come back in the afternoon and do an extra skill work type practice. So it's directly kind of mirroring a college-type program, and with our team being so deep, the same thing I faced in college. you got to hold these guys accountable, and you're competing every day in practice and playing time. So that's kind of kind of worked out in our favor for guys that actually kind of want to go to school and have that kind of mindset. Hanging out quickly here, wrapping it up with Coach Quentin Hollis. He is the head basketball coach at Oceanside Academy over there, running a five-star program on and off the court. You heard him right there. Talk about – you know, just like in sports, there's accountability and credibility, but you got to hit the accountability before you get the credibility, right? I mean, that's kind of uh, an important thing. And, again, if you go play at the next level, Coach, we've been there. You know, you did it on the basketball side. I did it on the baseball side. Without the grades, you could be the greatest athlete, but you'll be the greatest athlete in the stands watching them play the game that you used to play, right? Exactly. I tell my kids all the time, like, they really don't – they kind of know who Dennis Rodman is. I'm like, there's no more Dennis Rodman. You ain't going to come out here and ball out and do nothing in the classroom. They kind of look at me sideways. I say, well, hey, none of you guys are Zion. None of y'all are jumping through the rim. So you got to have some grades. Not, I knew Zion might have had grades. I don't know. But I told them, you got to you got to do the classwork first. You got to be a top-notch student. Every teacher, treat your teachers and everybody with respect. So treat them as you would treat me. If you want to say that crazy to me, don't say that crazy to a teacher or anybody in the school system for that fact. And these kids are really buying in to our model of all-in. So, that's what I'm kind of – I think we have success with these are good kids on and off the court. I love the Dennis Rodman comparison, uh, coaches, and I agree with you. I mean, there aren't many that can play basketball on 
on Saturday, go to WrestleMania on Sunday, go back to the basketball court on a Monday. I mean, but Dennis, Dennis can do that with three or four different shades and color in his hair and his fingernails painted. And ain't nobody saying nothing to that guy because he was right. doing it on and off the court. <laughs> the last, the last dance documentary was so crazy. After he play, played a full game, he went and ran on a treadmill. And who's that? I forgot what play he ran in front of, but the guy was looking at it like he was crazy. The man just played a full game, probably got a triple double, then ran five miles on the treadmill. Like, that's just that kind of work ethic. Like, these kids need to see that type of stuff behind the scenes. Everybody wants the glitz and glamour during game day, but that only happens if you really hustle, blood, sweat, and tears, practicing when nobody's watching. I love it. As we're hanging out, wrapping it up here with Coach Quentin Hollis. He is the head basketball coach, Oceanside Academy. Next up, they will see, hopefully, North Charleston, and then they'll get the chance to see a team out of, of course, uh, well, they, this would be a rival game, I guess, as well as Hanahan uh, is, is on the roster or the schedule as well. Coach, who was that guy to you? Who did you look up to? What got you into the game of basketball? Because we all have a story and a testimony. Who was that guy that got you interested in the game? And you kind of wanted to – I don't want to say be like, because I, I don't get into the be likes, but kind of impressed by what he did. Well, it was it was my dad at first. I mean, I remember being young. So I started playing basketball when I could walk. He bought me the little the little breakaway goals. I've been playing basketball forever, but I remember going to his men league game and watching him play. And I was like, oh my god, my dad can really play basketball. Then I started watching it on TV also. And then now, as I was growing up, you know, Allen Iverson was my guy. Like I was like, cause my dad's six three, but my mom's like five one. So I like, God, please let me get to six feet. Like I swear, please let me get to six feet. But I should have asked for six three. So I got to six one, but Allen Iverson, for him being six feet and could really just score the ball the way he could, that's kind of like what drove me to want to – like I had every school in the Big East gave me a scholarship offer besides Georgetown. So I told my coach, if Georgetown even call you, just tell them I accept. They ain't got to say a word. Just tell them I'm there. But, unfortunately, they, they never came calling. But that was my dream school to go to. I love it, Coach. Uh, let me ask you this. is uh, We're going to let you get back to packing and doing what you're doing there. Uh, and I'm actually going to make the trip because you guys, I believe, have an open gym, and, and I, I'll reach out to your AD along with you and, and, and hopefully get a seat there somewhere because I want to watch what you guys do over there. It's very impressive. But but give me a word of wisdom. Give me something to these kids who may not be playing. Maybe it be like the North Charleston or the Dorchester County kids or, or somebody around the state of South Carolina or, quite frankly, around the country because we're nationally uh, syndicated out here and, and picked up around the, uh, the United States for high schools to listen uh, just, I mean, just at this, the times that we're going through, like, just to be a good person, like, that, that tells, it just, that's just so important, the times we're going through, like, and I love the game of basketball, because whether you're black, white, Chinese, Latino, whatever it is, you can all bond on the court, and if you really come together, like, magical things that happen, so we got to kind of take that mentality and use that off of the court, so we can really work together on the court, we can work together off the court to take care of common goals and just take care of each other, I think that's just the biggest thing that I've learned from the game of sports, period. And I just think a lot of a lot of kids should play sports, not just to be a professional, but just to learn values. Like, I learned so many life lessons from basketball, like how to stay calm with five seconds left. I had some real personal stuff going on in my life. My mom was like, how are you able to just, like, not nut up? And I just thought about, like, hey, if I get a steal, I get fouled, three seconds left, I got to hit these free throws to win it. I can't be on the free throw line crying and, and nutting up. So I'm kind of just taking life lessons learned from basketball and implementing them in real life. Well, Coach, you're you're definitely a scholar on and off the air, and I can't wait to catch up with you and get you. <laughs> I guess we do fist bumps or elbows 
Yeah, I don't understand why you can't do anything else. I guess COVID doesn't get in your knuckles for some reason, but whatever it is, we'll get to it. But uh, <laughs> I'll wait till you're done moving and we'll catch up. Or I'll send Eugene over. I'll let Eugene move some things for you, man. So appreciate you, man. Let's grab some lunch. I'll head over to Mount Pleasant and, and let's uh, talk some basketball. Let's talk some sports. And when I bring you back on, I want to talk some college at Charleston, man. I, I just wanted to give your program a, a quick shout out. But before you go, you got to tell me about some of your. Uh, some of your big fish there over there, at, uh, or, or your big sharks, I guess, as uh, the land sharks are are basketballing out over there at uh, Mount Pleasant. Oh man, we're we're a super deep team. So we actually have sixteen players, which about right now fifteen play right now. One guy's kind of have a uh, kind of heart condition. He's been to every workout, so he earned his spot. But we're led by our senior Dante Hagman. He's been four years with me. He's like a pit bull on the court. He'll bark at you. He'll, you know, get the team going on defense. And then we're led by the rest of our sophomores. Like I said, nine sophomores, all of them play. Uh, point guard, Makai Rivers. Makai and um, Malachi. Malachi's like 6'3 right now. Dad, 6'8. Mom, 6'3. So, you know, he's about to, he's about to hopefully, next summer he comes in, he'll be like 6'8 probably. Uh, then we're led by Big Monroe Freeland. You know, he's a football four-star. Um mm. Super talented like guards. We got we got all kind of players, speed, three point shooters, uh slashes, big men, finesse. It's just some games is kinda of hard, but it just depends on how we play. We kinda of, kinda of got you know say players for every style of play. Now coach, I gotta ask you, I know you coach calls probably having conversations about that big man freely. Of course he's a sophomore sensation over there at uh right. on Friday nights and he's a he's a sensation any other night that y'all are playing on the court, man. And how, how much conversation do you have with him about doubling up? You, you, you know, you guys, of course, uh, Bruce Ellington did it here uh, out of the Monk's Corner area for the Gamecocks. And you see a few other basketball players playing base, playing basketball and football. You, you kind of see this kid's got some unreal size and his feet work and his hands just are incredibly good considering how big he is. Uh, have you had that conversation with him about playing at the next level since you've done it before? Uh, I kind of have it right now. I just told him, like, you know, just kind of have fun. But with him, like, he's such a hard worker. Going into his freshman year, you know, his brother Tristan came over his senior year. So, senior and mm-hmm. Monroe was a freshman. Like, Monroe would go out to football practice in the summer, out in the hot sun. Then he will come into the gym. And I never told him to come. He would come into the gym, do a full practice, and he would a team camera. So, that kid is, like, one of the hardest working kids. He wakes up in the morning, does yoga, workouts, comes to practice. Like, he's always working on his body. His body has changed. Since I've seen him, I've noticed he's been like in fifth grade. But the only thing I joke with him about is, hey, right now you're like six, seven, six, eight. You know, once you get six, ten, you're like, you're pretty much done playing football. You're like D1 basketball now. And he just laughs, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you're right. When I get six, ten. So I was like, right now, so I call him Lil Monroe because he's like six, seven. So he just laughs and chuckles. So I was like, Monroe, six, ten, baby. That's all we need, six, eleven. <laughs> I think going to UNC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know what? You're, and you're exactly right. That's where he would be heading. Or he could go to Georgetown. He could go anywhere in a size like that, Kentucky, or any of the other blue bloods there in, in college basketball. Uh, Coach, appreciate right. your time. I don't want to keep you past it, man. But we are going to get you back in here. I got a good feeling you guys are going to run a pretty solid run here in the playoffs. So you and I catch up, and uh, we appreciate what you're doing in our communities. We appreciate what you're doing over there at Oceanside. And again, man, congratulations to all the success on and off the court. Okay, thank you. I look forward to being back on anytime. You got it, Coach. All right, guys, how about that? Not one, but yet two great basketball coaches here hanging out with us on Southern Sports Central. It felt like summertime today, even though we're talking basketball. We're talking summertime weather, 72 
was the high. It was sunny down here in Charleston, South Carolina. Tomorrow, not quite as sunny, but warmer, 77. With that, we'll play some summertime music for you as we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll open up the lines if you want to call in and hang out with Eugene and myself. We're going to break down all this craziness of interviews that we've had and these incredible five-star coaches, principals, former player at Penn State that joined us. I mean, you name it, we've had them. Now, it's your turn. Call in. Number is the call, 1-323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 1-323-784-9681. If you're a football coach or player, I don't care what you do, you can work at McDonald's hanging out bags of money. I don't care. Come on in. Let's talk some football. Let's talk some basketball. We'll talk whatever right out of this, guys. Don't go anywhere. a bit of a break from the norm just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control it's cool to dance but what about a groove that soothes the move romance give me a soft subtle mix and if it ain't broke then don't try to fix it and think of the summers of the past adjust the bass and let the alpine blast pop in my cd and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime Summertime. Like a car show. 
Everybody come looking real fine. Fresh from the barbershop, applies in the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing. Chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing. Leaning to the side, but you can't speed through. Two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness. And this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. Back everybody, Rich Yelman here alongside Eugene. Ben, want to thank the coaches for joining the pack here tonight. Of course, uh, we started off at the four to seven thirty. Head basketball coach Thomas McElveen joined us as him and the Patriots are looking to get back on the court. They'll do that Friday the 29th. and then we went over to the other side, if you would, east of the Cooper. We say here in Charleston to. The land of the land sharks with uh, head basketball coach Quentin Hollis joined us talking about those land sharks. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, it, it, it's two different coaches with a great testimony and an impact that they are definitely making here in the low country on and off the court. You, you, you hear it in their voice, the positive vibes and the conversations uh, that they're having. And, and again, it's, it's a fun thing to do to get a lot of these guys to come in and, and, and talk some stuff. We do have a caller over there, I believe. Uh, we're going to try to tune in here with uh, the 909, 843-909. You're live on Southern Sports Central. Who's with us? What's up, brother? the godfather. The godfather, Eugene. Check the note at the door. We're hanging out on Edisto Beach with the godfather himself. Man, I got the message from you, by the way, was it yesterday about you guys possibly losing a coach and – you, you, I think you asked my thoughts and opinions. I, 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 I figured. Honestly, I don't think, you, I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen? You know a guy. Think, yeah, no. You know a guy. I mean, did you call Dabo yourself and say, hey, Dabo, not happening, buddy. It's a no-go. No, um, another radio sports reporter posted, like, posted on Facebook, and I think you might know the guy. Mm. Yeah, I saw you. <laughs> yeah, you talk about Bobby. Oh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby yeah. H. Bobby Arden posted it. Yeah, he put it. But here's the thing, and, of course, uh, this is the godfather on here with us. If you ever go to Edison Beach, and, and trust me, if you haven't gone, shame on you. Get there. But as soon as you get on the other side of the bridge, matter of fact, the, the convenience store to the left, but we get, go there first and then go to the other side of the bridge, ask for the godfather. They will send you this guy that's on the phone with us right now. Is uh, He runs that piece go to down Bilo, there. On which the is about to be food. No, Richie, go to Bilo. Is Bilo? It's about to be food line. It's yeah, be a food line? <laughs> you moved to, moved to <laughs> It used to be a Piggly Wiggly, by the way, guys. I mean, this guy has lasted longer than two grocery store chains. It used to be I four. Oh man, you're on number four, man. I tell you what, have they got a statue of you yet down there on Edisto Beach? No, sir. 
They're, they're missing out. Tell them they got to get you a statue. They don't know that you know who you know. I remember visiting you in the hospital. You remember that? I walked over and, and, and hung out. Yeah, we sure. took a little – we got a little selfie action going on. You, you put it on that social media world. And yeah, sure. uh, yeah, sure. you yeah, talked sure. to me about yeah, Dabo. Dabo Sweeney, by the way, called this guy right here, Eugene, in the hospital oh, and, 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 and wished Christmas him the best Day, recovery. Two years ago. <laughs> on Christmas Day two years ago. Best gift ever. Well, the second best gift. The first best gift for Constant Tom and me hanging out and, and, and catching up with you. Now, you know, Constant Tom just had another baby. How about that? I know. World coming that. to. Yeah, what's the world coming to? Got another uh, Clemson Tom walking around the, uh, the Orlando. We're in trouble now. Yeah, because now he's outnumbered. He's got two dogs, two kids, and a wife, and uh, I don't even know if he's sleeping in the house anymore. He could be in the car. But uh, I got to get him in here he next week. He's outnumbered because like, there's two boys. Because there's two yeah, boys now. She got three boys, and I said there's yeah, all the boys. Let me tell you a secret, buddy. I got two girls and two boys, brother, and, and there ain't nothing harder than mama's boys, dude. So, so when it all comes down to fail, totally. you know that she'll pull that mama's boy card, and those boys will come calling. I'm sure the puppies will 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 do the same, man. So, so I'm gonna ask you your thoughts, man. I don't, I won't keep you long tonight because uh, uh, we're we're running through you this did. thing here pretty smooth. But football season, it happened. I know you and I kind of didn't get a chance, and I got to get you back in here with us on a regular basis, by the way. We got to do what we got to do to keep you in line. But I know you weren't happy with the result. And, again, getting beat by Ohio State, man, that would make anybody sick. I get happy. it. You know? How, how can I not be happy, Richie? Richie, how can I be happy when we made the playoffs? I mean, how many teams can say they made the playoffs six years in a row? Well, this is true. I don't know. I, making the playoffs is great until you don't win a playoff. I mean, you know, do you want to be the bridesmaid? That's called Georgia. They've already got that title. That's well, not Georgia, what you guys are about. Georgia can't even make the playoffs. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. So how but good are you guys going to be next year, man? Are y'all going to bounce back? Oh, bounce back? For what? We're there. I mean. Well, you weren't there. They say the best, Unless y'all went and paid a ticket. Y'all get a ticket. Come and then they get, huh? You said y'all were there, so that means y'all went and sat in the stands? Because being there means you play in no, the game. No, bounce back means that we didn't have a good year. We didn't oh. have a bad year at all. Now, you're happy with it. So you're satisfied with runners up, not even runners up, like like best I mean, third, it's, fourth. It's, it's the final four of the college football. I mean, how can you be mad with that? I agree. Hey, I love it, man. Yeah, I love it. You know, if Cubs and Tom was on here right now, he'd be eating you alive going, man, Cubby, we don't do this. This is not what we do, man. Hey, now, I, I agree with you, though. I mean, sooner or later, you've got to start coming. Right? Let me just say one. Let me, I have one. You can't win them all. Nobody's perfect. That's right. You know, you might throw three interceptions, but them three interceptions might be good enough to make the Super Bowl. Ooh. I see what you did there, Kobe. Oh, that man. hurt. That was deep. <laughs> hey, look. My boy ain't poking, but hey, he's doing nothing at the Super Bowl. <laughs> guess what? I know what you mean. So, I, you know, I guess the Packers and the Tigers have something in common, huh? We, we, we're good. It's not good enough this year. But maybe next year. Maybe, maybe next year we get back there no, and, you know Tom, and do what we boy. do. You know Tom's my boy. I know you like a brave. So, are you, so wait a minute now. I got to go after this. But is are you, you know, you a, are, you a, are you a Tampa fan? Are you ready? Are you a, are you, you ready? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm a Patriots fan, okay? You're, through and through. You're, you're a Tampa but Bay I'm Patriot. A fan of, no, I'm a fan of Tom Brady and Gronk because of all they did for New England. I got you, buddy. So you're a Gronk fan, too, because he's down there, right? You like Gronk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot, you know you. Tom made a phone call, Gronk, and Gronk could not let him down. 
You know, Tom, mm-hmm. you're the sugar. I need you. Yeah, they made a video last night. You saw it. It was on Instagram. So it's on the internet. It's got to be real, right? I love it. <laughs> Godfather, appreciate what you um, do, my man. Let's catch up. Where are you coming to Charleston? You got to quit coming to Charleston and not calling one, me, man. We're supposed to catch thing. up. One last thing. Go ahead. What's up? Have you heard Tennessee's new um, new slogan? <laughs> Besides, I'm loving it. What else? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's it. <laughs> Oh, Godfather. I love it, brother. Hey, come back. Quit coming through my town and not calling me, man. I'm going to have to lock down the borders, man, and not let you come over here anymore. I keep seeing you. I keep seeing you on social media talking about I'm going here and I'm going there. You know, I live right here in Charleston. Well, I live in Somerville, but I'm close enough to get to you. You just got to let me know next time you're creeping through the restaurant scene down here. I need to. I'll let you know. And um, I believe you owe me a little something, little Richie. The ice bucket challenge. <laughs> It was years ago, oh, ladies and gentlemen, years. there was a thing called an ice bucket challenge about five years ago. This guy challenged me on social media, and I have yet to come through. But you know what, man? I turned 43 on the 15th of January, and I said I'm going to be a better man this year than last year. And I'm going to start off coming down there. And I ain't doing it when it's cold, but I'll come down there and do it with you. And we'll have to do it for another uh, another charity because I, I don't know if there's another charity going on. But whatever, you name the charity, we'll do it for that, and we'll have at it, buddy. But, uh, hey, quit being okay, a stranger, listen. man. Keep calling in. Yo. Okay, I'll call him. I promise him to be more of um, a – I promise him won't be a stranger no more, okay? All right, we got – hey, time's on you, my friend. Appreciate you, man. Give us I a sign-off, man. You know how you do it. Godfather out. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The Godfather at Edisto all the way to the 815. Welcome to Southern Sports Central. Who's with us? Hey, Richie. It's Timmy in North Augusta. It's Timmy. What's going on, man? How's life in North Augusta, man? How's the McDonald's down there in um, that side of the world? Well, it's not as good as the ones in Knoxville. (laughs) I figured it wasn't, man. I figured it wasn't, man. How's life down there other than that, though, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. So I I wanted to give you our quick uh, NFC championship story. Um, I'm not sure if he's listening, but we were in uh, Charlotte yesterday with Coach Dan Orner for a kicking session, and uh, I guess the, in the middle of the huddle with all the boys, he he dialed up his boy, uh, Bradley Pinion, uh, the punter for the Buccaneers, uh, b- before the game started, and uh, got him on FaceTime talking to all the kids at the camp. <laughs> and uh, Gronk, Gronk walks up behind him, kind of slaps him in the head, and says, hey, tell them boys to focus. They got stuff to do. Meanwhile, he's about to play in the NFC Championship game. So it was pretty cool uh, to see Coach Dan reach out and have somebody that's, you know, about to play one of the biggest games of the year, and they're still just having fun messing around with each other in the locker room right before kickoff. Yeah, and it kept going. Unfortunately, being a Packers fan, it wasn't quite as fun for me. But even in the video, you, you, I think you heard me there listening in, talking to the guy they call the godfather down at Edisto. Uh, you know, uh, the video last night with Gronk and, and, of course, Tom Brady doing the old – you know, uh, the video there on, uh, I think it's on the gram. I guess that's what the kids call it. But, man, you know, it, it is. It is what it is. These guys just have fun. I mean, it never seems like Tom Brady is ever not having a good time. He's always smiling. They're always just kind of just bebopping around on the field. And next thing you know, you turn around and this kid's doing what, well, he's my age. He's 43, I believe, or I'm his age. I think he's a little bit older than me by a few months. But, I mean, this guy, he looks like he's still in his 26, 27s. And, same goes for the other guy on the other side. I mean, again, Aaron Rodgers, I think, looked great. Unfortunately, you know, just couldn't could, – they couldn't catch the ball that he was throwing and a few other mistakes were made. But, 
Well, how, how good was it for you guys to watch a guy like Ryan Suckup? And, and you being a, a dad of a kid who kicks, and you saw the struggles of Suckup going through. Now, the success in college was great, and he did well when he got the NFL, but he kind of got kind of quiet there for a minute. Now here he is taking over that role at Tampa, heading to the Super Bowl, making some pretty good kicks and some smiles that, of course, made the media. It seems to be a town of second chances. I mean, Gronk goes down, Tom goes down, now Suckup's there doing his thing. I mean, it seems to be – and Dominican Sue, I mean, he was always bouncing around, never really won anything, and now he's got a chance. It seems to be a town of second chances. A.B.'s down there, too, by the way, and that's what I keep telling everybody. Antonio Brown didn't even play in this game. He's a wide receiver that was hurt, so he'll be back. Because, again, you know, how do you not get up for the Super Bowl? Eugene and I were talking about that at the beginning of the show. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the mystery pill that just makes everything go away is, hey, we're in the Super Bowl. You know you're going to Disney World if you win it and you're getting a ring at, at the end of the night, too. So, I mean, I think everybody kind of does it. And I, and I agree with you. And I think Tampa's kind of always been that. I mean, then it, it felt like that to me even back in the day when Chucky was there. The You know, uh, one of my favorite coaches is now coaching the Raiders. You know, I mean, he had, you know, Keyshawn just uh, – doing his thing. You know, there was, it seems like that's kind of the way it's worked out. And I guess that's the case. Maybe Jameis Winston ends up back there at the end of the day, too. So, you, you never know. But I tell you this, it, it, it seems like they've done their thing and, and all that. How's, um, how was kicking over the weekend? You guys, y'all went, y'all went to Charlotte? Well, before I get to that real quick, uh, so I'm, I'm pulling for Tom just because I'm old like he is. And uh, we want to see the old guys pull one out versus the new, the new young gun. Uh, Mahomes just, you know, otherwise Mahomes might win for about eight straight years if they don't stop him right now. So I'd like to see Tom win one for that. And growing up, I was a big A-Train uh, Mike Allstop fan. So, and then he won with the Bucks back in 2001 with uh, Chucky's uh, and uh, Brad Johnson was the quarterback. And so I remember the Bucks back, back then and back when they were terrible. So, I mean, um, that's my, that's my tie to Tampa. So I want Tampa to win just because Allstop used to play there and won there. And I'm from Chicago. He's from Chicago. And, uh, that sort of thing. But kicking over the weekend, man, was awesome. Dan was there, and he had B.T. Potter out from Clemson. He had Mitch Jeter there from uh, Carolina. Uh, Joe Bullivus from uh, Alabama was there, uh, the Stanford starting kicker. And then we had uh, the the wonder child, I call him, because he's uh, his name's Eddie, uh, and I'll mess up his last name, starts with a C and ends with a ski. But uh, he's he is he might be better than all of them. <laughs> That kid can punt it a mile, and his, he he won the field goal competition at the end of the camp, and you know I'm pretty sure it was 59, and it was about 40 degrees, overcast and and um and nasty by the time we got done with camp, and and it was cool to watch those guys who are pre- preparing for either their final season or uh, you know um, uh, playing big time Division one ball and seeing how they do their prep work and how they train and showing all the kids that were there to learn and go through Dan's camp. It was a really cool experience to see that next-level guy already there and how he's been through it and how he used to be in the shoes of where a lot of kids are, like my son now. And it was cool just to be a part of that whole process uh, with Coach Dan. Of course, Coach Dan does great work. And, you know, um, I wish we could see him more often, to be honest, because, it, you know, you start to forget things. And just like when you play golf, you go out and might shoot par two days in a row and then, you know, a week later you're 10, 12 over, and then <clears throat> you go back and see your coach and you're back to par. Well, that's what happened with, with Drew. I mean, I think he was getting hurt because he was kind of losing some of his form. He goes back yesterday with uh, Dan, and Dan says, well, why are you doing it like that? Turn this over here and do this with your toe. And, and then he hit a 72-yard five-step kickoff. So, I mean, I, wow. I just there's something, something with Coach Dan 
that just he sees the little thing that, you know, obviously none of us that are trained not to do it can't see or can't help with. And he's really the only one that, you know, focuses on that much detail when they're training these kids on proper form. And if you look, all the videos he posts online, all the kids that, that come out and sign somewhere, they look like robots. They all come out the exact same, you know, chest up, arms out to the side, leaning back, legs straight, toe pointed in the air, and it's all the way up, you know, chest high. It's like he puts out a factory of kickers. They all look the same when he's done working with them. And, you know, they are all kicking at a lot of big schools. So, you know, Iowa, Notre Dame, NC State, Wake Forest, Clemson, South Carolina, you know, he's got to get kids everywhere. Uh, so I think, you know, he he does the, does it the right way. And, um, you know, we're blessed to have him because, uh, you know, I think he's helped Drew tremendously. Um, and I think this, the sky's the limit. Well, I can tell you what, he definitely sounds like the uh, the kicking whisperer, if you would, if you had a title for him, because uh, everybody he comes in contact with, and I actually, you know, I had a chance to, to watch him kind of from afar that day that I traveled uh, over to the Citadel. First time I had a chance to kick, uh, uh, shake hands and catch up with you as well, and a few other uh, of our guys and girls that uh, listen and come on the show, but, you know, they, they pay a lot of attention to receivers and quarterbacks and DBs, but I got to tell you guys, special teams... Well, they do special things, and we need them. If you don't believe me, there's a few coaches around the country, I'm sure, that would love to bend your ear. But, uh, man, I just want to, again, thank you for calling in tonight. Well, Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening, too. What's up? Hey, uh, I, think, I think on that, real quick, on that note, real quick, Coach Eugene will tell you, you know, Dabo's uh, been clear as day with uh, Eugene and everybody who will listen. The only two guys they won't offer without Coach Dabo seeing them are quarterback and kicker. I mean, he, he understands the value of a kicker. So I think most people understand that, hey, uh, you know, kicker they don't really pay attention to till they need a kick with, you know, two seconds left from 48 yards. Then they're like, well, how come we don't have a kicker? So I, I think there's some of that that goes on. And, you know, they get overlooked because they're only on the field for about 12 plays a game. Uh, but more often than not, those are 12 scoring plays. So you you better have a good one. This is true. So, yeah, real quick, uh, Timmy Eugene, just uh, I know I know uh, our big boy Drew just got a big bump up in the rankings. I think he, uh, you know, probably went twofold up uh, in the rankings um, since last summer. So uh, he's now uh, four and a half star. And what's he ranked nationally for the class of 2022? Well, so he's he's actually ranked with four different services. I'll just go in order of importance, at least from what most people say is most important. Coles, he went up uh, to number 56, which uh, in the country um, he is uh, number two currently in South Carolina. Uh, there's a kid named John Love from Spartanburg who's number 20, and that kid is for real. He's very, very good. Uh, he was at the camp yesterday. And, by the way, one of the nicest kids I've ever had a chance to hear talk, so – uh, I have nothing but good things to say about him. Um, and then, uh, you know, on Sailor, he's number 26 um, in the country for that. He's number 11 with Pro Kicker. And then NKR was something we just did for the first time ever over at Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and they ranked him yesterday number seven. So he's he's definitely uh, a top-tier kicker. Uh, I don't know that he's, um, you know, BT Potter's level. Of course not. He's a junior in high school. But he has a chance, I think, to get to that level. Um, you know, keep working and working with Dan and, and doing the things you need to do. But uh, he definitely took a big leap. I think growing six inches since July obviously helped. Uh, you know, he was 5'5 five, five and, uh, you know, 130 pounds as, at the end of his sophomore year of football. And now a year, a year later, he's 6'1", 170. So, I mean, he, he, the height and the weight definitely helped. But I think the training was more important. Yeah, yeah I agree. And actually, you, you brought up BT and uh... – 
I have somebody that's going to compete against him on Saturday, so it's going to be a little head-to-head battle uh, with Dan better day in Columbia, uh, I believe at uh, Airport High School is what we're trying to work it out. And so uh, we'll see what the young buck can do with pressures on and definitely see if uh, maybe we can, uh, you know, maybe distract BT and get him to pull it left or something and uh, let the young man win. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it's, it's his dream. You know, it's been it's Coleman's dream ever since he came with BT to kick with him uh, due to, as you know, a situation with COVID around us. You know, we couldn't be there yesterday. Coleman's now cleared, so uh, Dan's going to try to make it up. And so it uh, looks like they're going to have a little head-to-head, possibly at Airport High School on Saturday from 1 to 4 in the uh, small yep. group. We'll be, there. we'll be there as well. All right, cool. All right, man. Well, Thank y'all you, take care, and uh, we'll definitely yes, be on the road, Richie. Well, we appreciate you, Tim, as always, buddy. God bless you. Tell uh, Drew congratulations on all that hard work paying off. It's just the beginning, man. This cat's got a whole other year to keep grinding it out and raising up in those numbers, man. I can't wait to watch where he finishes so that we can see this next chapter. Just have to remember the little guys when he gets up there to the big house or whatever house he gets to. Don't forget about us over here at Southern Sports Central. No way. You never will. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you, buddy. God bless y'all. Be safe. We'll talk to you. Maybe Wednesday night, man. Reach out. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Tim all the way in Augusta. By the way, I didn't tell Tim I was rocking out today with uh, with uh, the shirt that he had brought me, you know, with the hoodie and, and all that, man. It's a pretty good little look there as I uh, kind of getting back in the groove of, uh, you know, working out a little bit. You know, hey, you know, 43, bro. You got to go a little harder uh as you get older right i mean that's uh, how it works man hangnails hangnails are like broken el- arms uh, at the age of 43 i ought to be out of work for six months with a hangnail eugene i'm looking for the little aflat duck or or i guess uh you're looking for uh nick saban right nick saban does a lot of commercials over there with aflat but uh, it's been a great great show and it started off but um you know as always uh eugene and i doing what we do and breaking down 30 minutes of, of what's happening now what's been happening because uh, we did, by the way, we did take off um, on uh, on Wednesday night, and we did that because I decided that, you know what, let's just step away for a minute. Whether you watched the inauguration or you didn't, again, this is not a political show, uh, but I think Eugene and I decided to, to do what we do, and, and we put a post out that I thought was perfect. doesn't matter who you voted for. doesn't matter what side you sit on. But you should pray for the leadership. You should pray for this country. You should do that every day. Prayer should be something that you just do when you wake up, when you go to bed, 20,000 times in between, all right, because there's a purpose that we all have here. But I got to tell you something. That little young lady that, 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 that spoke out during, uh, the, um, during the election, who, who I thought did an incredible job with her poem, it, it, and Eugene will tell you guys that, know, that may not know me. I'm not a political guy. I could care less whether you're riding in on a donkey or you're hanging out with an elephant. could care less. But some of the moments throughout that entire day, because it was a day that I just stood out and said, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to keep some notes. But the thing that impressed me was the story, not just the poem by Amanda Gorman, but her story. Guys, she is doing things that someone told her she would probably never do. She grew up in Los Angeles, California, went to Harvard, or excuse me, Howard. She went to Howard, 
and 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 gets in and and puts down. By the way, the youngest to do what she did in that inauguration, but the message that she put out, I thought was on point. The the feeling that she was able to give, I thought was on point. But to know that she at one point couldn't pronounce ours, that she had a speech impediment, that she had a, a, what some would say a disability, she probably would say a challenge. And she challenged herself every day to learn how to pronounce the words that had R in it by either singing a song or doing what she did. And then I was able to listen to what I thought was an incredible, an incredible uh, job by um, Anderson Cooper from CNN did it, did it one-on-one with her. And, and, and just to hear her story, guys, this is what athletes are. You know what? It's just amazing when you put your heart into something that you love and you do it for the right reason, then anything is possible. And that's why we are supposed to love where we live in America. Yeah, it could be better. It could be a lot worse. You know, there's a lot of places that would probably love to have a sports radio show, but they're too busy looking out their windows because somebody's about to come through it because they're not allowed to have this opportunity because the government controls what they do and how they say. You know, on this network, we could drop 30 million cuss words, but just because you can doesn't mean you do, all right? We are censored by one above, and that's how it works here on Southern Sports Central. And, uh, you know, again, we will be back live again on Wednesday night. We look forward to it, by the way, because we're going to have an, uh, a, a, an oldie but yet goodie. And I mean that by a handful of great guests that have been on here before. And then we're going to have on a coach who has been around this area for quite some time and left and came back, and that's Dr. Jerry Brown. We'll see if he'll bring a few cookies along the way. We'll see how it works. We're going to have a coach on. We're going to go to Somerville High School. We'll get in here. With Coach Long, David Long is the head basketball coach at Somerville High School. They, uh, these guys will get ready to go underway here. They'll be practicing coming up on Friday the 29th for the first time since the 15th of December. We'll talk to him about how he's been able to manage the times, how he's been able to manage his players, how he's helping recruiting, how he's able to keep it positive, not only for him, his players, his coaches, his, his, his family members of the team. It's a process. But we'll get into that with him, and we'll find a, a coach that's actually still coaching and didn't take any time off. So we'll probably be somewhere in Berkeley County, right? Along with the good doctor, of course, uh, Jerry Brown. All of that coming up on Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, 6 to 9. Follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central, and on Twitter, at SO Sports Central. We're on the gram over at Instagram at Southern Sports Central. Tomorrow night, don't forget, the running back coach of Southern Sports Central. That is Everett Sands. He'll be running it through for three hours over at the West Foundation Sports Show, kicking off at 6 o'clock right here on Southern Sports Central. Eugene, phenomenal job as always. We've got 60 seconds. I just want to make sure I say thank you for all that you do behind the glass and on the social media world, buddy. Yeah, man, and just, uh, if there's any uh, players uh, out there listening, I know you've seen probably a couple of the graphics and it's only posted one out. Uh, if you're interested in something like that and you want us to take a stab at it, you know, we're, we're learning as we're going. We've got the software. Maybe we can something together for you so just hit us up on twitter and the dms or whatever and uh you know get us a picture and kind of we'll talk about what you what you're looking for maybe we can put something together for you that you like uh that's what we're here for 2021 is all for the athlete take care buddy and i'll talk to you on the other side that we shall on behalf of all of us all of you god bless stay safe stay separate so that we can stay playing some sports guys until next time god bless